0: This is Joseph Gervaisi. I'm here with Vern Laird. Today is May 15th, 2014. We're recording this interview at my home in the beautiful Roxborough neighborhood of Philadelphia, and this is part of Loud Fast Philly. Hi, Vern. Hi, Joe. <laughs> Thank you for hobbling over to my uh, home. <laughs> no problem. Uh, I should point out, I guess, at the beginning that, uh, that Vern does have a broken foot. Uh, yes. Yeah, how, how, how did you manage to do this?
1: Uh, well... I'm turning 40 on Monday. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> uh, and this past year, actually, it hasn't even been a full year. In uh, September of this past year, I started filming for a skateboard video of myself, because uh-huh. normally I'm filming skateboarders. But uh, I was in Barcelona filming with one of the guys on the team, Enrique Lorenzo. And uh, he was just like, hey, man. If I'm not skating at a spot, you should just skate and I'll film you. Because, you know, I see you skating and you're kind of just ripping. And I was like, really? Me ripping? Like, nah, I don't know about that. But <laughs> I'm down to film some stuff. So we got like a few things. And he's like, hey, man, you got like a couple things here in Spain. You know, you should just, every trip you go on, you should just try to get some things. And who knows, like in a year, you'll probably have a part. And I'm like, well, I never celebrated my birthday, really. Like, I haven't celebrated a birthday since... uh I actually, actually remember, it was like 1983, <laughs> because my parents were still married, okay. and uh, my birthday always comes out around the time of a Star Wars movie, and I was like full on into Star Wars. So, like, oh, so re- you were seeing Return of the Jedi. Yeah, Return of the Jedi was about to come out, like yeah. right after my birthday, and like that was it, like Star Wars themed birthday, and I think that's like the last birthday I could actually remember. That's a remember. long time ago. Yeah, so, you know, but your parents get divorced, and things just don't really matter that much anymore like birthdays get weird because you're here you're there yeah um but anyway so i haven't celebrated a birthday in a long time and my mom was making a big deal out of me turning 40 she's like you should do something for your birthday and i'm like okay if i get enough video footage of me skating i will drop this part by the time i'm 40 Mm -hmm. so and it was september and i'm like normally that doesn't give people like enough time like uh professional skateboarders are super perfectionist and um, It takes them like about two years to film like a three-minute four-minute video part mm-hmm. So I'm like there's no way I'm gonna get this done So I started getting lucky I guess and yeah. like getting some stuff on film and then uh, You know I I was watching all my footage and I was like man all my footage sucks I'm scrapping this project And then people were like, you can't edit yourself skating because you're your own worst critic. You have to have someone else edit your stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, who wants to edit my crappy footage? They're like, I don't know. You know, a ton of people make skate videos. So like one of my friends, he lives here in Philly, uh, Brian Panabianco, he makes these local uh, skate videos in Philly called Sabotage. Right now he's working on Sabotage number four. And uh, he was filming with me a lot, actually, like when I was coming back to Philly. He's like, man, we got to get clips for your part. And he's like, I'll edit it. I don't care. Like, give me all the footage. Mm -hmm. So uh, he watches all my footage and he's like, man, you need to get some bangers. I'm like, bangers? I'm like, I'm 39 years old. Like, this is the hardest stuff I could do. Like, what do you expect? Like, you're filming like 19-year-old kids that are jumping down big handrails and stairs and stuff. Like, I'm not doing anything like that. So... I was trying to push myself to a limit, like, with still within my capabilities. So, uh, I'm like, man, I got to get these bangers. And I got hurt, like, trying to get a quote-unquote banger. Uh-huh. Did and, you get uh, the banger? No, in the I drum. got uh-huh. hurt warming up for the banger. <laughs> no, like, there's
0: not even a payoff. What?
1: No, like, uh, we're at this school, like, Crenshaw High School in South Central L.A., <laughs> And we went to go skate this eight-stair handrail. Like, one of the team guys, uh, CJ Tamburnino, he was staying with me. And he's like, man, there's this rail I want to get a trick on. Like, do you know where it is? And, like, like, yeah, I think it's at this school kind of in the hood. But we can go, whatever. And uh, so we go. He doesn't do anything on the rail. I'm like, man, I got a deadline for my video part. Because right now it's, like, February. Mm -hmm. And I have to have all the footage in, like, you know like at least a couple weeks so he can edit it and go through everything so i'm like man i'm like crunch time for my video part i got no days to waste like every day we go out filming like with a team guy it has to be a spot where i know i can get a trick so i'm just like man you dragged me all the way to the hood to skate a handrail that you're not gonna skate Uh i'm like well in my prime, I could have jumped on this rail. I'm like, maybe I can jump on this rail. So I start ollieing over this trash can, which is kind of tall for me, but it's low for like the standards of a modern day pro skateboarder. So I'm feeling kind of comfortable. I'm like, well, that's a high enough ollie to get onto this rail. But I'm like, that's a long rail, like eight stairs. Like I'm sitting on this rail for a while. Like I got to skate something that's like kind of this long. So I notice this ledge that goes straight off of like five stairs. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna warm up with that thing. And it's so low that I mistimed the ollie, missed the ledge, tried to jump past the stairs, ended up landing with one of my feet like on the stair, like the last step and uh, I rolled the ankle so bad I broke a bone in the side of my foot. And everyone's on the other side of the school by the handrail. I'm just yelling, "Ow, my foot, my foot!" <laughs> Are and like, just laughing at you? No, they couldn't even hear me oh. yelling. And then you know, it's like a Sunday. We're the only ones in the schoolyard. I think there's some people playing like soccer, like on the soccer field. But uh-huh. so I'm just yelling. And I'm like, man, that's a bad ankle roll, and I haven't rolled an ankle in such a long time. Like. it's like, I guess this is what it feels like. And so I just tied my shoe up extra tight to keep swelling down. I'm like, I'm going to try and keep skating. And so more guys showed up and they're skating the handrail and I'm trying to get psyched. And I'm like, oh man, my foot is throbbing right now. There's no way I can jump on this. So uh, I ended up filming uh, one of these guys from Brazil. Oh man, he's a new dude from Brazil tiago lemos is the first time i've ever seen this dude skate street you know i saw him at a couple contests that i was at and uh you know i don't think he's really a contest skater because he kind of sucked in the contest and then when i saw him at this spot i was like yo man this dude's super good Mm -hmm. and everything he's doing is like waist high and he's like killing the handrail that i was like afraid to jump on and so i ended up filming a line with him for uh some video that he was working on and uh he wanted to do it right away because he he saw that I was in pain because I have to follow him on the skateboard as he's like going across the schoolyard doing like a five trick line, mm-hmm. and I'm just like trying to keep up, trying to push, and it's like my pushing foot that's broken.
0: So you're skating, holding the camera. I'm as, skating as, as he's skating to do the, the you know the tricks and stuff.
1: Yes, yes, that's the hardest part of the job for uh, the layman, I guess. But it's actually pretty easy when you've been skating for a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the unskilled uh, cameraman can just make it look real shaky. Yeah, <laughs> So, uh, but he ended up doing it within like five tries and we got out of there, then we went to another spot and I filmed the trick with the broken foot mm-hmm. at another spot. Like an easier thing to skate, so. But yeah, broken foot story. There you go. <laughs> yeah, what happens to your video now? I mean, is it? Is- it's done as is. Like, uh, you know what, when I broke my foot, I still skated for about a month before I even got it checked out because I'm like, oh, it's just a bad ankle roll. I'm like, you know, it, it swelled up, like, instantly that night. I took my shoe off. It's all purple by that time. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, that kind of looks like, you know, your classic ankle roll. Um, I already had a trip for Tampa planned. Uh, there's a Tampa Pro Contest every year. They've been doing it at the skate park in Tampa since, like, 1994, 1995. So I've been going to that thing since 1998. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm like, well, I gotta go because I have to go and film, and I already got a ticket. Right. <laughs> and we had this, or I had this trip planned to go to Orlando and Miami to film some stuff for myself and with a couple team guys because I got, I have one that's live or a few that live in Orlando and uh, some that live in Miami. So I'm like, okay, I can meet up with these guys, I can film them. Somebody can film me and it'll, we're all work out. And, uh, yeah. And there's also a team manager slash industry VIP contest that goes on during the Tampa pro contest. So they make all of us old guys. I think the requirements are you have to be over the age of 30 and have worked in the industry for at least five years. Okay. Is 30 old?
0: I mean, what is the point? 30 isn't even old anymore okay. in
1: skateboarding right. because the guy who won, he works at Transworld Magazine. He's 30, so he barely made the cut of being in a contest. Yeah. And he skated like a 20-year-old. Like, he killed us. Uh-huh. And so then I was complaining, like, we got to up the age limit to 35. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think for retired pros, you have to be retired for at least two years. Mm-hmm to be in the contest weekend. Okay. <coughs> sorry. Dying. It's all the pollen here.
0: <coughs> yeah, it is particularly nasty. Tea might be uh, drinkable at this point.
1: Yeah, so uh yeah, we uh I don't know. I had to go skate the contest. Mm-hmm. End up beating half the old washed up dudes with a broken foot. <laughs> that, that, that is pretty yeah, impressive yeah i got like 11th out of like And do you wear 19. like one clown shoe you know because your foot is all swollen and then one regular shoe i have the boot i have the walking boot and then i have some comfortable running shoe because uh oh dogs attack uh i would need a creeper or something because that's like the same like height level yeah, as yeah. the boot but uh, i don't own creepers yeah probably for the best uh but we'll go back to early burn yes uh, <laughs> I take it you were born in 1974, then? <coughs> yep, May 19th, 1974. It was a Sunday evening, and that's the same day as Malcolm X. <laughs> oh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, where were you born? Temple University Hospital. <laughs> ah, so the city of Temple. Yeah, I was yeah. born, my uh, mom was 17, senior in high school. <laughs> were, you,
0: uh, were you an
1: intentional baby? Or? I don't think I was intentional when you're 17, and uh, you're yeah. still in high school, and... My dad was a a few years older than my mom. I don't think that was very intentional. Were they married at the time? They were not married, but they did... They got married. I don't know if they got married before or after I was born, Mm -hmm. but they were married, and I think they had to get married in Maryland because they had different laws about younger people getting married. I don't think... uh, they could have got married in Pennsylvania at the time. So you got to go more south for yeah. a younger age. Yeah, you know, because <laughs> yeah. you can marry your sister, or your cousin, or something yeah, yeah. in the south, especially back then in the seventies. So right. uh, a further down, it just gets younger and younger. Yeah. So I know they got married in Maryland. I have to ask her exactly. Like that's like weird. I don't ask any questions like that. Yeah, it, people it, are generally kind of uncomfortable talking yeah.
0: about those things.
1: Plus, I didn't have that type of relationship with my mom. I, I definitely have a better relationship with her now, but. uh Back then, I I, I would have felt too weird to ask, and uh, but yeah, uh, they were they were young, and but they did end up getting married, and I remember we lived with our grandparents for on oh, my mom's side for the first few years of my uh, childhood. Was that in Philadelphia? Yeah, right here in Germantown, actually. Oh, nice. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah, they both went to the same high school, <clears throat> Germantown High. I think that's how they met. So um, that was yeah. Seventies. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to picture, like, uh, there's so many weird photos of them with <coughs> afros. <coughs> afros in uh, disco clothes. Uh-huh. I don't know. Big and, butterfly, like, collars. But, but, yeah, yeah. polyester has oh, their man. Uh, leisure <coughs> suit. Yeah. Oof. teas good. Nice.
0: Uh, yeah. Ultimately, they came to move to South Jersey, right? At some point.
1: <coughs> they did move to South Jersey at some point. I was still, um, damn, so I was at grade school here in Germantown, I went to John B. Kelly, that's on Pulaski Ave, then, uh, damn, we were in Jersey sometime around my high school, for sure
0: so you spent most of your
1: younger youth here. I didn't realize, you know,
0: because I know you from South Jersey. Yeah, I didn't know when you came to be there. Well, I
1: was (coughs) at Clarence. Well, that's not the middle school anymore because now it's a, God, it's a charter school. It was a my my middle school turned into a charter school, which I didn't realize until I was just I actually filmed a trick there for my video part Mm -hmm. and. I made the spot like a famous skate spot because we actually used to skate there like there's these weird little ledges we used to do bonelesses off of <clears throat> and then when i was there I, I went to like look at the school because i started filming so i'm like i think we could skate the ledges and then when i got there like they were super crusty and i'm like man that's gonna take a lot of wax and like a paint job like these ledges aren't skateable mm-hmm. but then i realized you could jump off of one of them into the street it, like there's like a little gap over the sidewalk and it was, like, <clears throat> not on the uh, Sheltonham or Shelton Ave or the Wayne Ave side. You, like, landed, like, in a... Uh, damn, what side? What street is that? I think it's Rittenhouse Street. So you land, like, into that street. That's, like, a mellower street. So I brought someone there to skate it, and then it became a famous skate spot because I started seeing all types of pros going to this spot. I'm like, that was, like, my, my middle school, and now people are skating it. That's Like, great. that's what, weird. Do you, what do you think they think of this school? I mean, is it... Is it uh, is it
0: annoying to have suddenly this become a spot? No, people are I'm psyched
1: there? because I, I can claim it like that I took the first dude there. Like, I think I took Jimmy Gorecki there and he like nollie flipped into the street. And it's like, this is like the middle school. I used to skate with like a couple dudes on my block who uh-huh. no longer skate. And we used to do bonelesses like off of something like that, you know, no one's skating now. But <clears throat> it was weird that like I noticed it was a charter school and I'm like, what happened? And then like, I have some friends that are, like, school teachers here in Philadelphia, and they're like, oh, the school system here is crazy, and, like, they're closing schools. No, it's, and a, it's a complete Yes, yeah. yeah, it's a constant news yeah. story, in the state of uh, underfunding. <coughs>
0: yeah. Uh, really, yeah, really a bad scene.
1: But I did win the only baseball trophy of my life, like, when I was on the baseball team in the fifth grade. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Where is the trophy now? I don't know. My mom might have it somewhere, but that was the only year I was semi-decent at baseball, fifth grade. Uh-huh. I remember we used to take the bus to like play other middle schools <laughs> and that that's all i remember so yeah but high school time i was in new jersey because so i went to high school at sterling high school okay yeah so well, i guess well, before we get to
0: jersey uh you must have been then you were skating when you still lived in in philadelphia yes how did you start come to
1: start okay skating? so when my parents got divorced um my dad's family's like in northeast philly <clears throat> so i remember we're at my cousin's house my uncle's house and like i used to hang out you know all my cousins on my dad's side we're skate or i'm like i see some kids skating out front and he's doing like you know he's jumping off a car onto a skateboard so this is like 1987 Mm -hmm. and at that time i was riding a bmx bike and the bikes back then were like tanks so i sucked at bmx i could barely like do a wheelie Like, now, like, when I pick up a kid's bike, I'm like, dude, these things are light. I'm picking up with, like, my pinky. And, like, no wonder you guys can do all these tricks. Like, we had these, like, army tank, like, bikes. And it's like, this isn't fun. And I saw this dude, Mike Ritzius, jumping off of, you know, a car and landing on a skateboard. I'm like, man, that looks, like, fun. I want to do that. So I just start talking to him. And then, you know, he kind of took me under his wing. You know, he's like, you know... <clears throat> i'm gonna tell you everything about skateboarding everything you need to know i'm like because i was just so curious i'm like yeah. like where do i get a skateboard like how do i learn tricks and like i'm just some annoying like 13 year old kid asking another 13 year old kid yeah, yeah. like questions so it's but probably he, not annoying the
0: knowledge though he had the knowledge,
1: yeah. <laughs> had the knowledge yeah. because i'm like i want to know what you know because that looks more fun than riding a bike
0: uh-huh
1: and uh <clears throat> from there kind of uh That was, like, my gateway. He was the gateway to everything that I still am to this day. Are you still close with him? No, haven't talked to him in years. I don't even know the last time I saw him because he quit skating because everybody quit skating back in the 80s. I don't even know when he quit skating. Can't even tell you the last time I saw him. Could have been a year or two later. (laughs) But uh, it was definitely the jump ramp era. He was around for that, and then... I don't know, but, but meeting him that day forever changed my life because he showed me skateboarding and he showed me punk and hardcore all at the same time because it all intertwined in 1987. Yeah. What were the bands that he was introducing you to at that time? All right. So basically he tells me, he's like, okay. We got to go to downtown. We have to go to Spike Skates because that was the only skate shop, I guess, in Philly at the time. And where was that? That was on Pass Young between South Street and Bainbridge Street. It's like this weird little cut in of Pass Young yeah, right there. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, okay, so I go to the skate shop, you know, we get a board. And also he's like, okay, you got to get all these records, you know, and we're like Tower Records, uh, Philadelphia Record Exchange. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, this is like the soundtrack that skateboarders listen to like Uh you have to buy all of these records so it's like black flag dead kennedys youth of today minor threat misfits circle jerks i don't know youth brigade (laughs) i don't know all this stuff like i'm just like okay and up until then i listened to like run dmc and like ll cool j like Uh i didn't know what was going on but i was like oh this music's cool Like, I didn't really know much about music. I just listened to, like, whatever my older cousin was listening to. Uh Like, all right, Houdini, that's what we're listening to. (laughs)
0: Like,
1: I don't know, I just listened to rap music, so. And rap was still relatively small, so Mm -hmm. there was, like, five rap groups or something (laughs) back in the day. Like, that's all there was, so, you know, I listened to Michael Jackson and stuff like that. But, I don't know, like, this was, like, it was, like, new, so I thought it was, like, awesome. Like, I don't know, man, like. This shit's cool. Like, I don't know. I was psyched. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if this is what skaters are listening to, this is what I have to listen to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so then from there, do you begin to take the skating more seriously? Y-
1: I, I think I always took skateboarding more serious than music. Like, skateboarding's always been number one since pretty much that day. Uh-huh. And everything's been like a close second. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I took it more serious because... Pretty much every year dudes like quit skating like anybody I was skating with People would just come and go. So you're just constantly meeting new skaters. Um, I think it's also because uh, The level of skateboarding was always progressing like also at that time like early, you know late 80s like street skateboarding was like something new like before that like everyone just kind of skated vertical ramps Mm -hmm. or like backyard pools so, this street skating thing was, like, still kind of new and kind of, like, constantly changing. So, as it got harder, dudes that couldn't, like, keep up, they would just quit mm-hmm. and do whatever people do when they quit and are young. So, yeah, um, and it definitely wasn't as mainstream or as popular as it is now. Mm-hmm. So, when you found, like, another skater somewhere, you, like, clung on to him because it's like, oh, man, we got something in common. Yeah, yeah, And back then, it seemed like all the skaters had everything in common because you listen to punk and you skate it. yeah there was there was, a, there was a different look you know there's yeah. there an advantage to wearing this t-shirt or whatever yeah. because it tells like i'm one of yeah. you yeah. when
0: the whole greater society is not like that person you know
1: yeah so like and now when i see someone wear a skate tee or skate shoes i'm like oh is this dude really skater is this dude just like into the fashion like yeah. back then it's like If some kid had a misfit shirt on, that kid was into the Misfits. Yeah, because how the fuck else would they know what (laughs) it was? Yeah. yeah. And then,
0: you know, uh, in a pre-internet age, it's, you know, a little more difficult to make these connections to people. So here's something that clearly telegraphs, I'm into this thing.
1: Yeah. I'm one of you. And especially since, like, skate shoes were, like, Vans. Like, if someone had Vans on back then, it's like, okay, this dude skates. Like, that's it, like like now it's like fashion there's like all these cool van colorways and you're like ah oh man that dude might might skate might not skate yeah But like at so. the time I would imagine you can only get them at a skate store right like you yeah couldn't just go to like or a eight, surf eight, store eight, something yeah. like that if you're down the Jersey Shore Delaware Shore something like all yeah. the surf shops had vans and uh I, I remember when Airwalk actually came out because mm-hmm. I saw the ads in the magazine and I was like begging my dad to like take me somewhere to get Airwalks and I think we had to go to like Sea Isle City to like some weird surf shop and they yeah. had airwalks. <laughs> I'm glad they had your size there. <laughs> yeah, they did have my size, so I was psyched. And I, you know, I just wanted to get the airwalks and there was Vision Streetwear and Vans. Like mm-hmm. that was it. Yeah. Like Those were the skate shoes. Yeah. So you knew a skater when you saw them. <laughs> it must be interesting for you uh, to see
0: this whole progression. I mean, to be there from this, like, this early stage and then see all of mm-hmm. the crap that's happened over the years as someone on the inside yeah.
1: yes you have to learn to adjust <laughs> yeah. you know like there's still always this part of me where i'm like oh fuck i wish it was this small thing that was like mine yeah. and ours and like you know we're in this little bubble but uh as my boss put in a meeting it's like the genie's out of the bottle like that's yeah, it i got yeah the Like, as soon as, you know, the first X Games happened, like, that was it. Like, it's over. Like, Mm -hmm. everybody, even now, like, with, you know, still with the internet age and, like, the message boards. Like, there's always going to be, like, that core group of people. But they're, like, the 1% that want to keep it, like, how it was. But it's too late. It's like a plague. It's already spread. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's only going to get bigger and bigger. But it does employ people, too. It does employ me. So that's where it's, like... Well fuck At one end I want it to be like This small thing But at the same end I'm like working In the industry And it's like allowing me To like Live the lifestyle That I have So it's like I'm just always In the middle (laughs) Like divided on things It's like ah, I love it I hate it At least you're divided (laughs) In getting a paycheck yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, the most the yeah, best yeah. Place to be.
0: Uh, yeah, definitely. you know,
1: because you're a sellout, you know, once you're working for the man and you're like corporate skate world because, you know, we're selling out, just like all the punk bands back in the day, like signing to the major label. You're selling out. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're just musicians that want to still get paid to play music. <laughs> yeah, and oftentimes <laughs> people
0: crying sellout come yeah. from families with lots of money yeah, or have yeah. like a whole cushion that they can fall into. Yeah. So it's a very easy position yeah. to look down at, you know, someone's yeah. patrician knows that someone yeah. else is you know decisions to fucking eat <laughs> yeah know, to stay alive
1: i used to be one of those dudes yelling sell out sell out but then when i still see sick of it all like playing like a thousand years later i'm like i don't think these dudes sold out because they're not living in a mansion no, and they're sure still they're playing the same songs like yeah. from when i was like in high school i'm yeah. like man they definitely didn't sell out i don't know what selling out is if they sold out <laughs> yeah i don't
0: think yeah. anyone's <laughs> operating fast <laughs> so funny yeah. to play sick of it all music
1: uh. yeah so i'm just like tripping on like yeah My idea of selling out, like, uh, drastically changed once I worked in the skate industry. I'm like, like, selling out is not being a skateboarder working in the skate industry. It's like, I'd rather be a skater working in the industry than have some person who's never stood on a skateboard making the same decisions I'm making.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you know, you yeah. know, you know, um, yeah. and you have a certain sensitivity and you know, like a vast knowledge yeah. and understanding that you bring to it. Yeah, I still care about it at the end of the day or I still wouldn't be skateboarding. Yeah. Like yeah, you wouldn't have 40. your fucked up foot. I mean, you <laughs> yeah. could probably be in a position where you wouldn't have to physically do anything and still make money. But if you're out there doing the thing and you also running the risk. Yeah. You know. Uh, but anyway, what what brought the family to uh, South Jersey from Philly?
1: Uh, I think job. Jobs. Uh, Did both of your parents move here? Were they together at the time? they were together. Um, Yeah, there was was jobs. Uh, I think Philadelphia was a shitty place. It was rough back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if I look at pictures of, like, when my parents were, like, younger, like, living here, and then, like, you look at, like the 80s it got kind of crazy and into the 90s yeah. even when i moved myself back into the city and i'm like oh shit it's like crazy here yeah and uh i don't even know when it got nice but it's way different now mm-hmm. from even when i moved out of philly like in 2002 it's way different like when i come back i'm like wow like there's neighborhoods that i never would have walked in before that people are like living in and yeah, it looks yeah. nice. yeah there's so. been a lot of really dramatic trans- yeah. uh, transformations over the years but uh, yeah, I think it was just the city was like, you know, terrible and uh, there was a job opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think that's why people move usually, right? For a job. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. what moved me to Los Angeles. There mm-hmm. was an opportunity. So it was funny because recently my mom told me that there was also some weird job opportunity in Denver. So I'm like, wow, we could have moved to Denver. Like that would have been weird. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad <laughs> that it was South Jersey. Were you bummed out that you were leaving the city to come to Jersey? I don't think I really cared (laughs) back then. I I just cared about skateboarding. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. I would say the schools were easier in Philadelphia because I was acing everything, <laughs> and then uh, there was a reality check with the schools. That, that's for sure. I think in Philly school, like if you
0: turned up, had a pulse, and like, didn't throw, you know, chalk at the teachers, so yeah, you could probably you
1: know move through. Yeah, it was definitely getting really awesome grades. That's for sure. <laughs> I can tell you that much, but. Uh, um, no, because where I lived, actually, I was still always in the city anyway. Like, I was, uh, there was the speed line was, like, right there. Yeah. So, I lived, like, a one-mile skate to the speed line. So, the second school was over, like, I was on that thing, and I was skating in the city. So. What, what stop were you? <clears throat> Lindenwald. Okay, yeah, yeah, it was the same thing for me. So, it was right there, so it was, uh, mad easy to get yeah. anywhere. Um, yeah seriously, it was like the race, especially when Love Park was like, when I discovered Love Park was like a spot where everybody went like after school. Yeah. Like, it was like, damn, man, I got to get there like right away because everyone's meeting up. And yeah. so it was like almost a race to see who you get there first because yeah. everyone's coming from different areas to meet up at Love Park. Yeah. so. Yeah, that was, and plus you're trying to look at all the Hallahan girls walk through, so. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's like, oh, Catholic school girls are getting out, like, at three, so got to make sure I'm there to Uh, watch, look them walk through in their, like, little uniforms, so. They'll be impressed by your techniques. Yeah, 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 exactly, so. (laughs) The Hallahan hoes, that's what we called them back then. (laughs) That's delightful. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're just stupid young skateboarders, but, you know, I wouldn't call them that now, but, Yeah. When you're 16, you're just stupid. Yeah. (laughs) When did you start going to hardcore shows? Well, Mike actually took me to some shows at uh, Club Pizzazz. Oh, you went back that (laughs) far? Yeah.
0: How old were you when you were going to Pizzazz?
1: Dude, I was probably about 13 or 14. It was right after I discovered everything. Like literally a month after I started skateboarding, there was a Bones Brigade demo at Penn's Landing. Mm -hmm. so I was like man and I thought that happened all the time yeah because I'm like a month into skateboarding and all these dudes I just saw like in a skate video or like skating in front of me so so this must be happening you know yeah I'm just like this is awesome skateboarding is like the best thing ever like pros come from California all the time and then later I found out that wasn't the case but Uh I was pretty excited and um he's like yeah you got to go to shows at this spot and I'm like okay (laughs) And And what did uh, you
0: think of Club Pizzazz when you first went there? I was was freaked
1: out, because I didn't know what was going on, man. Like, there was mohawks, skinheads. Like, I was like, what the fuck? People stage diving? Because I never saw any of that stuff. I'm like, what the hell is happening? But it was, like, normal, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, but first time you see that, it's, like, culture shock. It's like, what? But, uh... Yeah, I don't know. We saw, I don't know. Brick House was like a local band or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who I later became friends with now. The dude Sean, he used to sing for him because I ended up skating with his younger brother. Oh, okay. no, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Maybe we saw Circle Jerks there. I'm not 100% sure. I can't remember. Yeah. So it all blends in. This would have been
0: 87, 88 then? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, we must have
0: been going to probably some of the same shows before we knew each other, because those were the first shows that that I started going to, and then Bull started coming with me. I didn't know what the 12. hell I was doing.
1: I was just yeah. some scared
0: kid in the uh, back. Oh, past. I was. Yeah, I, was <laughs> I remember going there and feeling like really small because there were these big yeah. people who were totally fucked up yeah. beating the crap out of each other. Yeah, you know, this kind of broiling chaos, and you know, we wonder like, what is my place in this, in this thing? And it's a rough
1: neighborhood that that was in. Yeah. So that just getting there. Yeah, you know, it was an endeavor. Yeah, I was, uh, dude, I was scrawny, too, man. I was scrawny. I mean, I'm still pretty skinny, so, yeah, like, well, yeah. <laughs> I was just, like, dude, there's no way I'm going anywhere near the pit. Like, these dudes are huge. Like, every dude, especially even now when I go to shows in Philly, like, everyone in Philly is, like, big. Like, when I go to shows in California, like, kids aren't that big you Why know it was like so big in philadelphia i don't know man if people eat cheesesteaks too much or something <laughs> or, or are they taking steroids back then like everyone was like huge yeah, like yeah. that's all i remember and there was a big skinhead thing that was going oh, on at the time God. i mean late 80s
0: uh, did you interact with these, these skinheads who were kind of, you know, popular or not popular, well, but like kind of it was a thing, you know?
1: Well, the thing is actually the dude, Mike was a sharp skinhead too. This dude that I was skating with. So he had to tell me the difference between skinheads because I'm like going in there with this one mentality that all these dudes are like white power and shit yeah, like yeah. that. He's like, no, 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 You got to look for like subtle things or different things. Yeah. So things. it's like the boot so, laces, you know? Yeah. Like the braces, red, you know, yeah, yeah. there's suspenders and. You know, and the Confederate flag is definitely a dead giveaway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he he definitely introduced me to a lot of sharp skins, and I was like, wow, I'm like I had no idea any of this stuff. But then the more I learned about music and the skinhead culture and where it originated from in Jamaica, like everything started to make sense to me. So yeah. like, but it took me a while to put pieces together. I think. It was, like, a couple years of going to shows to, like, really start to piece stuff together. and Then you start seeing familiar faces, and you start knowing who's who and what's what. And I just remember so many white power skinheads going to shows, like, back in those days. Oh, was it was lot. insane. Yeah, it,
0: yeah, they'd come at, like, AC skins. And oh, yeah, the dude like, Warren. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> Whatever happened to that dude? <laughs> hopefully dead. <laughs> AC skins, and then... Uh, uh, I just remember, like, especially out in, like, Allentown, Bethlehem, like, oh, Bethlehem, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, and man. lots of hicks. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And these people, are like, it's not like this
0: 16, 17, 18, maybe an early 20-year-old, like, knows the history of the skinhead. I mean, maybe they know yeah. bits of it, yeah, but, it yeah. but, like... I don't give a fuck about no, that. They don't you know, care. They're not, not going to be listening to steady music yeah, yeah, or something. They're going to know yeah. they because they saw on Geraldo, Yeah, yeah. fucking hit the guy with a chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty badass. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, white power, that's what we are. But, yeah, okay. <laughs> Listen to some Desmond Decker or something, dude. Yeah. <laughs> get over it. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah, that was interesting, man. I saw crazy shit at shows. Definitely, like... I don't know, how did these dudes end up at all these shows? How come no one beat them up back then? <laughs> like, I, you that's what I, 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 I don't get. Yeah, I thought about this a
0: lot. I think it's because these guys would come in, you get like, say, five guys who were really close, and then other people at the show were kind of disparate. You know, they were kind yeah. of spread out all over the place. They had, you know, this guy was straight edge, so he wouldn't talk to this drunk punk, and, you know, yeah, there yeah. was like these clusters of people, so there wasn't the kind of scene unity that would yeah. say like, all right, maybe you drink alcohol, and I don't. But this dude loves Hitler. Yeah, yeah. So, like, who cares about this other crap? Let's yeah. get rid of the guy that yeah. loves Hitler.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I didn't get it. Uh, maybe because I hung out with all the straight-edge dudes or all the skateboarders, which kind of were almost one and the same also still at that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe I didn't hang out with all the drunk punks. <laughs> now, I mean I find it pretty remarkable that you when did you come into Straight Edge? I mean were you I discovered it all like seriously, all that stuff was like at the same time. Yeah. Like I didn't know what Straight Edge was till I heard like Minor Threat song. Uh-huh. Like, I mean were you it? like as a as a youngster
0: right you know, right before that point, were you drinking or smoking or doing any of that kind of stuff? Or were There
1: you- there was drinking because my mom actually used to feed me alcohol. Uh what, why was he doing like to calm me <laughs> down or something? No, like that was like the celebration on like New Year's Day. She still loves talking about it remember when i used to give you this champagne on like i'm like yeah mom that's great parenting give like yeah, yeah. You, you know you're already a teenage mom like giving your kid like alcohol like i'm trying to forget shit like that yeah yeah probably but my mom's like yeah but me giving you all that is like why you don't drink now to this day but maybe there's I some just truth teaching to you that. a crucial lesson in life i mean i uh, know my crucial lesson in life is like seeing a lot of fucked up shit and being around a lot of fucked up skateboarders and more so now that i'm older and like now that skateboarders do make a lot of money and they live like rock stars watching dudes like od from drug overdoses and it's it's crazy yeah yeah and that's gonna be so, very depressing the cumulative effects yeah so it makes me even more psyched that i don't do that shit now yeah and uh the younger dudes don't get it. The older dudes kinda get it, but younger dudes don't get it. Like when they see me at like some skate function and I'm drinking water. They're like, Where's your beer? And I'm like, Yeah, man, you guys are like nineteen. You'll figure it out one of these days. Yeah, but yeah. how how well known is it uh, in the skate world that you're a straight edge? It's known with the people that I work with. I don't like go around waving a flag. Like I've never been that dude, like waving a flag. Maybe when I was like younger, yeah. like I was more gung ho about a lot of shit, like Especially when you first discover shit, oh, you're yeah. like, so like this, that, raw, you eat meat, fuck you, like, you're <laughs> yeah. not vegan, fuck you, and like, now i like, I don't care what people do, mm-hmm. and like, younger people that are like straight edge and vegan don't get it that I don't care what other people do, and then like, older dudes or younger dudes are like, why don't you drink, that do drink, and like, they don't get it, so like, no one ever gets me, and I'm like, dude, I just do my own thing, like, I don't make a big deal about it. Skateboarding is number 1, straight edge vegan whatever, girlfriend, love life. All that shit's like number 2. <laughs> you know, like it's always been like that. Like as long as we got this skateboarding thing in common, we're cool. Right. But uh I just don't make a big deal about it, but definitely like the older dudes, they they can respect it because I think some of them kind of maybe wish they didn't party as hard.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's probably not doing them any favors. Yeah, I mean the cumulative effect is is probably
1: definitely not going to be doing them any yeah. favors. Yeah, and uh, then you know you got like a lot of pro skaters are in like AA and stuff, so. Those dudes are down with it, and they're the ones that always want to kind of hang out with me if there's, like, a skate function, because they know, like, <laughs> yeah, not, I'm going to be the positive you're influence. You're not going to be pulling out the crucial yeah. herb or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I wish it was just weed these days, man. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Sk- <laughs> skateboarding drugs have gone way past the days of marijuana now. <laughs> what, what, are, what are the popular drugs? Oh, all? cocaine so- is, like, crazy. Like, I still remember the first time I seen it, like, I was on a skate trip, and, like, you know, like everybody was with me on that trip. Like, I don't even want to name the team or the team guys because I don't want to incriminate anybody. But uh, those dudes were like, Yeah, Vern, you might not want to watch this or don't even look back here. Like, what's going on? So dudes are just like snorting cocaine. Like, and just like, I was definitely on a trip in Miami the first time I saw it. And then I saw it again on some trip in New York when I was living in California. And then, like, it became so like just normal for me to see it where i'm just like i can't believe like because i was so naive like i was like in this world where i thought everyone lived like ed templeton or mike valele like where they like didn't do shit and you know
0: those guys a straight edge or or, i think
1: they are but they don't wave flags of that stuff but (laughs) i've never seen those dudes like partake in anything or party or go buck wild and you know mike v singing for black flag now which is kind of weird but uh, i don't i've never seen those dudes do anything to this day and you know ned templeton's like the fattest vegan i know (laughs) sorry ed i love you but stay off of those like uh vegan cupcakes but uh yeah so i mean there's definitely guys there's a lot of people in the skate industry that I I wouldn't say a lot, but I, I think I know the ones that don't, like, drink and party and stuff, but they don't make a big deal about it, so. Do you ever find that younger people
0: uh, will gravitate towards you because of that?
1: Because no, they, hell no. Uh, the younger dudes, like, they think I'm weird, man, because I eat different than them like i'm not going to mcdonald's or something (laughs) you know like they're just unfortunate because i would think that there would be some people who would
0: kind of be you know heartened by the fact that here's somebody who is like live this as a lifestyle and not as a fashion choice or a temporary you know blip in their life
1: i think it takes those younger dudes like a little bit longer they have to experience some shit before they put it all together yeah um yeah that it it kind of sucks actually I wish more dudes, like, were psyched on what I'm doing, but, uh... No, I I would say not. (laughs) I don't think I've made a positive influence on anyone's life. That's very sad. It's kind of sad, but, uh... Skateboarders are very, uh one-dimensional, unfortunately. Even I am. I mean, I love skateboarding, so... A lot of these guys just care about skateboarding, and then when they're not skateboarding, they can't wait to, like, get fucked up, man. But how do you retain, (laughs) like, the the physical prowess if you're destroying your body with a series of poison chemicals? That's the older dudes now. Like, say, like, the pro that's, like, 30 and over. They have, like, personal trainers. Like, the... Because, all right, there's about a handful of dudes that really make a ton of money. Like, me and some of my, uh, you know, co-workers were trying to figure this out the other day. Like, the dudes that live, like, the Tony Hawk, like, lifestyle. Like, Tony Hawk's not out here, like, raging and partying. Otherwise, he yeah, wouldn't sure be able to do it.
0: And if, you know, yeah, universe.
1: he's got kids. He's 45. Like, if he's out here, like, doing blow and, like, partying hard, there's no way this dude's performing up to the level he still is to this day. Yeah. yeah. So, there's dudes like Lance Mountain, Steve Caballero. Like, those dudes do not party at all, you mm-hmm. know? So, uh... You know, and they eat well and they take care of themselves and, you know, stretching and yoga and, like, all this stuff so they can still, like, keep, like, their career going. But not everyone lives, like, this luxurious skateboard life where they're making tons of money. And these younger dudes might be making money now, but there's the turnover is so quick in skateboarding. Like, Mm -hmm. these dudes could be hot for, like, a couple years and they have these, like, huge contracts and most of them piss their money away and I've seen that happen more often than not that must be a very depressing thing to see play out over and and over and over It, it is and it's depressing with some of the guys that are like my age or just a little bit younger than me that like I grew up with that were pros and they were living this like good life and you know they're buying out the bar every night like, you know, $5,000 yeah, bar Everybody's tax.
0: friend Yeah, while, they're, while they have yeah. the
1: money. Yeah, and now it's like, well, fuck, now you don't have a job. You're like, I don't know, you're doing whatever. You're a bartender somewhere, you know, door guy here, driving a taxi there. and yeah. You know, whatever to get by and pay your bills. And what I try to tell, like, these younger dudes that are making a lot of money, I'm like, yo, this shit could not last forever, so be wise with how you spend your money because like it could just all end and some of them like will hear you but some of them like yeah yeah, it's all good man i know what i'm doing whatever dad (laughs) yeah and they don't want to hear it so uh some of them like conduct their business like you know like really professionally but some of them just won't ever get it they just want to live this like rock star lifestyle so uh i don't know that's the only kind of positive influence I have. Like, when I talk to them, I just tell them to, like, not waste their money on stupid shit. Yeah. But other than that, like, they don't care that I'm eating some, like, seitan or tofu shit or... <laughs> I don't know. Well, they I guess I guess in a sense, I mean, you,
0: you live as an example. I mean, people yeah. can, can pay attention to that or not. Yeah. But, I mean, you ultimately live up to
1: your own set of ideals. Yeah.
0: And it... Clearly works for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm still like you know, like people look at me, they don't think I'm 40. Yeah, no, yeah, because no, I don't fucking you know smoke like a pack of cigarettes a day. Yeah, you've, you know? seen, you've seen the, the mummified <laughs> corpses
0: that you know, yeah. have, have
1: done this as a as a lifestyle for themselves. Yeah, so I mean, people, you know, some people think I'm like in my early 20s. You know, like I haven't. I aged. thought you were seven. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's just uh, skateboarding and being active and you know, try and take care of my body as much as I can. And I try to tell these dudes, I'm like, you only got one body, you got to treat it right. So yeah, you know, I worry about what I put in it. Did you pick up the veganism at the same time as everything else? No, that took me a long time, actually. Like I picked up the vegetarian thing first. And that was uh, through youth of today slash shelter. (laughs) Uh, I think an entry point probably for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, like, and you know, I was going to the Krishna temple. I'm not afraid to admit it. I've lasted like Two years in there. You yeah,
0: so you were going to the temple. Were you? Uh, a, what would you call it? I a devotee a, or something? I,
1: I, I didn't go that far as being. You know, I wouldn't call myself a, a devotee, but uh, and I didn't get the. Uh, you know, the the haircut and all that. But yeah. uh, definitely, my boy Dan McVeigh got the haircut. I remember <laughs> when he was rocking the haircut. <laughs> Yeah, it uh, doesn't look good on anybody. And it, it was just funny because we were uh, skating. This is definitely when we we're in high school, and it was right when those dudes like quit and started shelter. And like, I was like, "Damn, you went all out. You went Ray Capo. Look at you!" <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, yeah, he was full on into it. And uh, and I was like, you know, I'll I'll roll to the temple. I'll check it out. See what's up. I was down for the free food the free yeah I think the free food was
0: kind of what drew everybody in if, if someone yeah. didn't have any money then you know the food was decent I guess you have to listen I never went but I imagine you have to listen you to do gotta listen bullshit.
1: You, gotta, you gotta hear them talk about you know Krishna and all kinds of things for about an hour before they feed you and mm-hmm. then uh then they want a little donation and uh end up buying some Krishna beads, or, you know, you buy a Shelter 7-inch on yeah. clear vinyl because it's there for two bucks, and, and <laughs> you're like, and, and all and right. And on eBay 10 years later for a fortune. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. you know, it was cool because all those dudes were also living here at the time, so you're all, like, fanning out because you're like, oh, yeah, Ray's living in Philly, and, like, Purcell's here, and you're all, like, kind of psyched. yeah. Yeah. but uh i think i, I was pretty <coughs> firmly in the
0: born against you know saves dead kind of camp so i yeah you know, all of that stuff was anathema to me I but the thing
1: wanna... is i still listen to born against too at the same time while i'm yeah. listening to all this stuff like i just listen to everything i kind of liked everything so mm-hmm. i felt like i've always been in the middle for like everything as far as like skateboarding like i'm not skating a certain way or even when it came to like hardcore like only dudes listen to certain kind of hardcore and some dudes listen to this kind yeah, and i'm yeah. like if it's good, it's good. I'm going to listen to it. Oh, yeah. like, I was just a fan same, yeah. of music. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. I don't think I went... I mean, I think at that time, like, uh, I was definitely impressionable. But I didn't go the full Krishna route. But I was definitely psyched on the food. Still friends with Harry, who owns the Govinda's restaurant to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, I met him at Temple, like, a long-ass time ago. And yeah. he calls me California when I walk in to get my uh, chicken cheese steak. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's super cool, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just not down with the whole philosophy. It's not for me. I mean, it's for some people, but that's uh, nah, not my cup of tea. Yeah. But the food was good, and uh, I like that Krishna music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. down for Shelter. Yeah, yeah. Prima, 108, all those <laughs> bands, you know. Baby Gopa. Yeah, I had that record also. I was into it. That's one <laughs> record you could probably not miss too much. Uh, yeah, you know, it wasn't that bad. I liked it. I'm not going to lie. I liked it. All right. <laughs> all right fair enough. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I think I liked every record that I own. That's why I bought the record because I'm like, I was into it. Yeah. Even if I listened to it a few times or I was only into it for a little while, like I, there was one point where I actually liked the record enough to buy it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. We'll talk a little bit about the
0: South Jersey scene. I mean, okay. We, we mentioned uh, Club Zazz, but there were things going on in
1: South Jersey. Yeah. Uh, so to you want to kind of explain like what the what was happening there wow yeah south jersey scene um damn yeah there was uh bonnie's rocks <laughs> <laughs> there, there was an amazing... and Echo. yeah that remember, had a lot were... of white power skinheads i remember yes. that yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure because you're in the middle of nowhere new jersey holy shit man talk about getting hick once you got past like that lindenwald stop and until it got to atlantic city it was just like farms and yeah. like hicks, and hicks yeah, you yeah. might as well have been in the south but yeah, I, I mean, guess you should explain. It. I mean, Bonnie's
0: Rocks was a was a rock
1: definitely a rock club. Yeah, it was a rock and roll venue that had like hair bands. Yeah, yeah cuz that was the thing at the time, yeah. yeah. And you know the funny thing is for like metal, I never gave metal a chance until like, you know, later on like when it became like a soundtrack for a lot of skate videos, especially like in like the early 2000s cuz in my mind I never listened to Metallica and like Slayer because i put them on the same level as like poison or or like white snake yeah you know i'm just like oh they're just like some shitty like hair metal band just because like metal you know they didn't play that stuff on mtv like slayer didn't get you know no one's showing their videos like on prime time mtv time like they're showing like you know guns and roses and like all this crap and i'm like this is what metalheads listen to this is tough this shit sucks. Yeah, the guys wearing like, like, snake pants or like, like, <laughs> snake skin pants. Yeah, I just remember, like, all those hair bands sucked. And it's basically modern-day, like, pop music. Like, that's yeah. all it is. And yeah. I'm like, why are these dudes tough? Like, you think you're tough? You look terrible. <laughs> kind of looks like an ugly woman. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't get it. <laughs> and so that's, like, what Bonnie Bonnie's Rocks was. It was, like, these crappy hair bands from, yeah. like, the 80s that played there. But... I don't know who started booking shows there to no get idea. hardcore yeah. shows there? Yeah, yeah. Maybe Pat Mustache, Pat Mahoney might have <laughs> uh, started getting. It. I don't know, but we saw a bunch of shows there, and uh, but it was the Harwin Theater. Did you do the shows there, or was yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, it was a, it was Bull and Chris Fry and yeah, uh, yeah. There was a it was weird because it was a movie theater with a stage in front of the screen. And if you did stage dives too far, you're landing on a seat. And <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> yeah, people have to slam dance in like the yeah. little narrow space
0: between yeah. the two sets of
1: Yeah, there's like an aisle that went down like two rows of seats. Yeah. So like there was like a weird pit like that was in a, a walkway that was big enough for two people. Mm-hmm. And there was maybe enough room for maybe a three person pit, like between a stage and a front row of seats. Yeah. And uh, but damn dude Born Against played in that uh, theater like i was tripping i was like they were seeing born against for five bucks in this like movie theater like this is weird (laughs) yeah yeah you know turning point we actually played with turning point that show like what the hell like yeah you should say we was well point of view i was in this band point of view well i was actually the third singer for that band but uh no one remembers the first singer because there was only like one demo tape Uh, with this dude, Dane Robinson, who sang on the first demo, and I don't even know if they actually played shows out with him singing. I can't even remember. Yeah, I I mean, I remember him a little bit. I just remember Halsey. (laughs) Halsey Halsey. was like, that's when the band kind of, I guess, got a little steam, you know? Like, there was a 7-inch, and Halsey was like the singer. And Halsey was super into Krishna. (laughs) And I think Point of View kind of got cloned as, or we got in pigeonholed as like a krishna core band because yeah. we played a lot of shows with shelter mm-hmm. and 108 and i was cool with it but i don't think any of the other dudes in the band like cared because none of them were even vegetarian which was funny uh-huh. you know like except for bull when he was in it because bull your brother bull played bass with us for a while but but uh, no, uh we, so were you both in the band at the same time yeah okay. we were yeah. both in a band at the same time i remember I mean we didn't travel too much for shows cuz point of view was really like a small band like we were the opening band like we were always like the first band or if we were lucky we we're the second band you know yeah. like but uh I remember we did travel to Virginia Beach for a show we played with Earth Crisis yeah, that's um and that was like around 92 93 and Earth Crisis was, like, just becoming, like, the big... There was, like, this new wave of vegan straight edge, like, yeah, starting. Yeah.
0: yeah, that created a considerable yeah. schism
1: because of the militancy yeah. that, they, yeah. that
0: they advocated.
1: Yeah, and they were trying to be different from, like, the hardline dudes, you know? So, uh, but it was still more or less the same thing, because I didn't see any difference in the philosophy yeah, of yeah, the hardline was stuff. Yeah, I, I kind of always thought of them as being hardline. How they never claimed to be a hardline band. You know how like there was like Vegan Reich and yeah. Raid and like Statement, those were like the hardline bands like yeah. on Hardline Records and I was actually hyped on that shit for like a hot second because I think that was when I first became vegan, so I became whenever I first become something, I get like super militant about it i'm like in your face like yeah, I'm vegan. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like cuz I was like vegetarian for like 2 years. And I think it was like, it was definitely my freshman year of college because it was like 1992 and I was over college. I think I was just in college because my mom wanted me to go to college. It's like the thing to do. You're like, you're smart. You got like good grades and good SATs. So Mm -hmm. you're going to college and you're becoming a doctor or a lawyer. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't care about that. And at the time I was good at math. So, I was like an accountant major my first year of college. At, at where? At what college? Temple University, all baby. Right. Temple. Ow. Holla. <laughs> Woo-hoo. So, uh, <laughs> it's so weird that I end up going to the same college of where I was born, <laughs> ultimately. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, I'm just like so over college. You're like 18. You just did all this school. And I was like not going to class. So, I'm like sitting in a library and I'm just reading books. And I think I read like this Dick Gregory book, and he was talking about being fruitarian. I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> so is this
0: a later Dick Gregory? I mean, this is not seventies dick Gregory right or or is
1: this I don't know when this when his autobiography or if it was a biography, but I stumbled upon his book because okay. I was like looking at books about animal rights and vegetarian and stuff like that. And I stumbled upon his book, and he was talking about being a fruititarian. You should probably explain for people who don't know. I mean, that's a fruititarian. is out there because you only eat fruits and vegetables. A vegetable is still considered a fruit because it grows from the earth. And that's all this man, like, lived on, basically, is, like, fruits and vegetables. And I'm like, wow, man, that is hardcore. And I tried that for a hot second, and I'm like, oh, man, uh, I like solid foods, and I like cooked stuff and i ate like crappy junk food vegan food and yeah yeah so that was like tough but uh i started reading like all these animal rights books and like that was just interesting me like especially then i was like 18 i'm like this is more interesting than learning about like tax laws and stuff like that yeah so um I don't know, and uh, I think uh, some of the dudes I was hanging out with, like, Jeff Entong, was, like, vegan, and I was skating with him a lot, and, uh, I don't know, uh, I just did it, and there was, like, some vegan bands that weren't, you know, like, they were just coming around, like, I mean, all that hardline stuff was pretty popular, I think, around 92, Mm -hmm. and then there was, like, Reveal, and I was friends with some of those dudes. (laughs) What what were uh, they all about? Reveal Straight Edge, uh, Troll, and Jay Kwiatkowski. I think Kwiatkowski actually changed his last name, like, uh, I don't know, some kind of fallout with his dad or something. But uh, he goes by a different last name. I'm friends with him on Facebook, and it always throws me off. I'm like, who is this guy that knows everything about me from, like, the 90s? Yeah. But they were kind of some weird straight edge militant band. I don't know. They used to tag Reveal all over the place. X Reveal X everywhere. (laughs) But uh, I was definitely... uh, friends with jason pretty tight because he skated jay Kwiatkowski skated a lot I, was, I wasn't too tight with the jordan brothers i don't think i've ever been tight with those dudes those dudes have joel, been weird jason jordan <laughs> jason jordan joel jordan have been involved in some sketchy uh, yep. shit <laughs> for <laughs> as long as i can remember mad hatters and shit yeah yeah, yeah. next <laughs> to nothing next next to nazi <laughs> god they played a harwin show and they had, like, some Confederate flag, like, on the stage. Yeah, like, man, I haven't thought about them in ages. I don't know
0: what Jesus the fuck they do now. But, yeah, they, they gave
1: themselves the worst possible. Uh, oh, man. Stonewall was their other band. God, it was just some front for some, like, white power band. There were, like, some rich kids from, like, Cherry Hill. Were they Jewish? I don't know. I thought they were Jewish. I maybe, thought so as well. But, maybe I mean, they were in denial of, like, their Jewish heritage, and they hated it so much i think it's entirely be... i mean i mean probably you remember
0: uh, or maybe you don't remember i don't know there was there was the black nazi that used to be in philly i a, do i, can't I think remember that guy was name. Kind of brain damage so i don't yeah. know what his fucking deal yeah. was but i mean there's always this kind of weird like oh look it's the
1: jewish nazi or the black nazi or something yeah, yeah you know it's like yeah. that Chappelle skit <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't... david Chappelle, you know i know him but yeah. i don't know the oh the skit where he's like uh a blind black man and growing up in the south and he becomes like a, the biggest member of the kkk because he's got a hood on so no one ever sees his face uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> and he's just talking all this trash like white power and, like and then like they finally see his face you know like because people are yelling like, we want to see your face and he takes his hood off and he's black and like some dude's head explodes because <laughs> they couldn't believe he was black <laughs> and, yeah. like pre- it, preaching like the most like hatred white power stuff and then he divorced his wife because she was married to a black man. <laughs> it's like the best skit yeah, ever. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. That dude was genius. Yeah, that was like the best thing ever on TV. Yeah, that was, that was a
0: great show. But
1: uh yeah, let's get back to the
0: Well for the the vegan yeah. thing. I mean the hardline thing differentiated itself from just veganism because yeah. there was the militancy, which yeah. came with some violence. Like yeah, it came with violence. Attack the meat eater. Yeah. And maybe liberate the animals. Yeah. Well, it always seemed to me more. Oriented towards attacking the meat eater than yeah. taking the animal from the you know vivisection yeah. lab or something. And yeah, what, that's what, what they know? were.
1: That's what I. I mean, I thought the idea was like what you just said, like some animal liberation front where you're like freeing these animals that are being like tested on and stuff like that and held in captivity against their will and I don't know, like, but it seemed. Oh, sorry, burping, tea. But it it's seemed. Fun. It seemed like their whole deal was like, yeah, we're going to, like, beat up some meat eaters and, like, that's it. And, like, I remember, like, uh, when that whole Salt Lake City scene, like, came around and, like, those dudes are super militant and going to jail for, like, beating up people that weren't straight edge or so eating a smoking a cigarette or something yeah. close cigarette. Yeah, it's like, you oh, you're smoking up. a cigarette. I'm <laughs> taking this dude out. Like, I don't know. Like, those Salt Lake City dudes are super crazy militant. And I'm friends with one of them now. He lives in uh, Long Beach, and he works for a skateboard company. Sure, actually, he's still we- vegan, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he'll be, like, commenting on my photos on Facebook, like, damn, look at all these restaurants, you know, like, everywhere you travel. Like, yeah, he gets pretty hyped. And uh, Oh, so he actually is still vegan? Yeah, yeah, he oh, okay. drives, like, a biodiesel car. He rides bike to work. Like, you know, he's nice. still, like, kind of gnarly. He's uh, Cody. Damn, I can't remember his last name right now. I'm blowing it. But, uh. Cause he's probably gonna listen to this, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he works at Dwindle Distribution now, so it's uh, he's still involved in skateboarding. But I didn't meet him then because I never went to shows in Salt Lake City. But when he moved to California, like I, you know, we kind of met through mutual friends, you know, that I had from the East Coast. That uh, the Ten Yard Fight guys, you mm-hmm. know, because I think they traveled everywhere. That band was a lot bigger, and uh, he was friends with some of the guys I knew in Ten Yard Fight that i actually worked with at 411 video magazine so uh you know we just kind of put all the pieces together and became friends Mm -hmm. and yeah it's so weird how many like skaters and people i know like from later in like the hardcore scene like maybe from like the mid 90s that kind of work in skateboarding now so Mm -hmm. still have that connection but yeah that hardline shit was crazy i was like i was psyched i think i was like even though I'm not a violent person, and I had never owned a gun. I never wished to own a gun. And I hate guns, but I was pretty hyped on the graphics. I liked the M16s crossing in an X. I thought that shit was hard. <laughs> I was like, damn, that shit's cool!" Like, I think, actually, at one point, I wanted to get the Hardline like Earth like tattooed on my back below my vegan tattoo. No, I, like, I didn't was... Do that. <laughs> I was, you know, like when I was that young, like you know, and I was getting all my tattoos, like. Um, My one roommate used to tattoo out of our apartment when I lived on 15th and Pine. uh, Adam Shields did, you know, my first tattoos out of our apartment. I'm like 18 years old getting tattooed. You know, I'm like, I'm not living under my parents' roof. Yeah. I'm, you know, doing my own thing and I'm getting tattooed because, like, I think it was... You know, Sick of It All was like my one of my favorite bands. I fucking love that Blood, Sweat, No Tears record. I must mm-hmm. have listened to that shit almost every day after school. Like KRS-One's on there. And yeah. I'm like, it's like the best of both worlds. Like my favorite rapper is on this hardcore record. Yeah. And I'm like, it was so hard. Like, and like, I was like angry kid and I fucking hated metalheads, and I hated everybody. And I was the only skateboarder in my school at the time. So I'm just like, ah, everyone hates me. I hate them, you know, yeah. like. So uh, I used to want to get the alleyway crew, like, dragon tattooed on me. Because when I saw Sick of It All play at, like, uh, you know, Revival, I was yeah. like, damn, these dudes are tatted up. I want to get tattoos. Like, this band's sick. I love <laughs> Is these dudes. that when they dudes. play with uh, Agnostic Front? Ah uh, yeah, man, and didn't some dude get stabbed or an Agnostic Front set know, or something? I was at that show, but I don't, I, just I don't get know. Stabbed, I, I don't know. I, I remember, dude, there were so many white power dudes at that show too. Oh, yeah, well, I guess for Agnostic Front, <laughs> yeah, uh, and, uh, which I don't understand because the singer's Cuban, you know. Yeah, but, but I
0: think people associate, you know, Agnostic Front skinhead, the
1: boots, and all that. They just assumed that. Yeah, what did they think when the Agnostic Front put out the all Spanish record? how did that go yeah, <laughs> white power well. dudes are like rolling over in their
0: graves like what I don't think white power dudes <laughs> have had an opportunity to see very many white power bands
1: because in the city yeah. of Philadelphia yeah.
0: it's not going to fucking happen you're not going to yeah. get a real white po- so you got to
1: find like The
0: closest closest thing. Those dudes
1: are, and those dudes are the furthest thing from that. That's what's so funny. Like the singer's
0: married to the the singer of Nausea.
1: Yeah, like the most left wing crust punk band you know imaginable. Yeah, which I love too. Like oh man, that one seven inch with like the the, Cyber God one. With this, no, that one too I had. But uh, you know the one that was like born against and life's blood oh, and, yeah. oh my god yeah, yeah, and absolution uh-huh. nausea that's like one of my favorite records still to this yeah, day like yeah, it was great. like oh man like because so. it's one good song from like four awesome bands yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> i i don't have the record but i can like picture it in my head i'm like i know what it looks like still yeah yeah but yeah because i sold it but <laughs> uh what are we talking about white power agnostic front yeah that was an awesome show sick of oh man And it was right around the time of the Gulf War, so there was, like, some crazy speech about supporting troops. And, like, I remember, like, skinheads are getting, like, super hyped up and... Yeah! (laughs) Who was making the speech? I don't know. It could have been Agnostic Front. It could have been right before their set or something. I I don't remember. I I, I remember bits and pieces. Yeah. The revival shows were pretty crazy. I mean, they were really volatile shows in terms of, like, people, you know, going batshit. Lots of weird folks there uh i love the revival shows saw two the best show i ever saw is bad brains and leeway and i still got the flyer yeah, i was a, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know who i went with punk rock crystal oh yeah, <laughs> you yeah, remember punk girl, yeah. yeah she's my friend on face dude oh she has my god tattoos yeah she used to drag me to like seriously a ton of shows like when i met her i was like dude this girl's fucking awesome man it's like the coolest girl i ever met in my life yeah and uh yeah she had a lot of cool records and yeah, she's like, Oh, we're gonna go see Bad Brains and Leeway. And I'm like, Yeah, we are. I, like, I loved Bad Brains. Uh, me and Dan McVeigh had a team, Because like, back then, like, you know, late eighties, you know, you had like uh, skate teams or something, you know, like your crew, you had like a team. Mm-hmm. We called ourselves Team Rasta. <laughs> and we used to write Team Rasta on our grip tape. Yeah. And like we were really into bad brains around that time. Yeah. <laughs> And that Soulcraft, what was it? That was their music video. <laughs> they had a music uh, yeah, video in yeah, on yeah. 120 minutes. Yeah, yeah, that probably <laughs> oh, wasn't their crap. finest hour. Uh. No, because that was a tour for the Quickness album. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of liked that album, even though it kind of sucked. But uh, that was when they were falling off. Yeah, but <laughs> but they still had enough of like the yeah. old Bad Brains. Yeah, because you know, HR and, yeah. wasn't crazy yet, and uh-huh. it was actually like him playing a show. Because now I've seen HR, and he's like out of his mind. Uh, what is he doing? Is it purely reggae? Uh, you know what? I was at this contest last year in Ocean City, Maryland uh, for the Dew Tour, and there was this weird after party at a farm, like an hour inland in Maryland off the beach, and HR just jammed out, like, playing music with uh, some random people that were already in a band, like, playing. Like, he was at the contest, and yeah. he ended up at this party, and he ends up playing in this field at night in the middle of maryland just talking about who knows what it was babble but it was awesome babble for like an hour hour. (laughs) yeah
0: i can't imagine it being awesome for an hour it was really
1: just wanting to play like yeah but he's he's out he's out of his mind because i he they've played like bad brains they've played some shows as bad brains and uh I would say sometime in the two thousands, where they've been the act for like a skateboard like after party event. I remember they played one year in Phoenix a couple years ago for the Phoenix Am after party. HR was out of his mind. wasn't even like singing lyrics while Bad Brains is like playing the music. He's just doing his own thing. Should have stayed Straight Edge. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) did you see that documentary, the, the Bad Brains? The, no. Oh, my God. It's like one of the best movies ever. Like, seriously, within weeks of each other in L.A., I saw two great documentaries. One was the Circle Jerks documentary, My Life as a Jerk. I haven't seen that one either. Oh, it's great. And there was a QA and a after with the whole band, minus Keith Morris, because he was, like, late. <laughs> he showed up late. But, uh, yeah, I got a photo with all those dudes hanging out. I love Circle Jerks. yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a great documentary. And then like a week later, there's like a Bad Brains one. And uh, But none of those guys were there for Q&A, but it was pretty awesome. And then a year later, I saw Filmage, the Descendants documentary. That one's pretty great, too.
0: Yeah, I've heard good things about that. Again, yeah. I haven't seen it. Maybe will yeah. turn up on Netflix at some point.
1: <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, those revival shows were sick. Turning Point played a lot there. Love that band. Turning point. They refer to as burning joint. Yeah, certain people (laughs) lost their edge. Yeah, I still love those dudes. I'm still good friends with uh, Jay to this day, and I saw Steve Cordello actually uh, last night. (laughs) Very nice. He was at Tattooed Moms when I was leaving the skate quizzo. I didn't even see him, and he yelled at me. And he's turning 44 on Saturday. Wow. He actually uh, gave me, me. He gave me a lot of my records that I sold. He gave me a lot of records for free that I sold. A lot of. Valuable, rare turning point stuff and turning point tees that I sold. <laughs> I'm glad that you made a great profit on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, We were talking earlier before the uh the interview about uh, Vern selling
0: his records and like how you, you said you were able to sell like the shittiest looking t-shirts, you know, like sweat stained, <laughs> gross ass shirts with grip tape, you know, slime on them, to people in Japan and Germany. Yeah, that was the a hotbed of all American garbage to sell.
1: Yeah, it it, it was actually a low point in my life because it was 2008. Uh, it was the end of 2008, economy shit the bed, I was unemployed, I lost my job October 2008. What uh, was your job? Well, I guess we should probably, oh, before we
0: get into this, yeah, like we kind of have a big gap in between.
1: We got so many gaps, because we went from revival to this. Yeah, yeah, we
0: gotta <laughs> move up, so you, you know, you become a professional skater, uh, kind of, or move through. <laughs> I don't, I don't know exactly how these things work. But why don't you take me back to the like the progress? From...
1: Do you want? Do you even want to jump that far? You want to talk about Unisound shows and oh, well, Scarlett actually... O'Hara's? Oh, uh, God, I don't well, even know. Yeah, what do you want that? to talk about? Well, we got a lot. Let's do uh, Point of View
0: stuff. Yeah, let's do Point of View. How did you come to be in Point of View, okay. South Jersey hardcore band?
1: Yeah, living in Philadelphia at the time too, which is funny. Oh, so I you was... had to go back to Jersey. <laughs> God, that's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the time when I was singing for Point of View, uh, yeah, I was living, um, God, yeah, fucking, I was living in 15th and Pine for most of that. So it was actually pretty easy because the speed line's right there, and I would just take it. And we were practicing where Pat lived, and he lived right by the Lindenwald stop in Somerdale. Uh, We practiced like in his mom's like garage <laughs> still.
0: Pat uh, later went on to make
1: uh porno movies, right? Or something. That's that's what I heard. It was funny because uh <laughs> I just went to a baseball game with this dude, uh, Mike David, who I haven't seen since the point of view turning point reunion show. And uh he gave me an extra ticket to Philly's game to go with him and we brought up Pat and Pat is like MIA from like all social media. I'm like, dude, I've been trying to get in touch with Pat Mahoney for like ever. I haven't seen this dude literally since we were recording a full-length record and that was like the summer of 94 and that's when the band broke up and uh i knew he was kind of already doing some stuff with porn or he was like working at a video store this was like the days of vhs still since this is 1994 and there was like a video store like in every strip mall in america uh he was like working at the video store then he went to ordering and buying stuff and he was like mainly in charge of like the porn department and then i think it escalated to him making porn and now i think he's has his own production company yeah i imagine uh, like the mustache is growing and the hair is falling out it's like he becomes more porny yeah i can't even and then i think his cousin gene might work for him and his cousin gene used to go to like a lot of our shows he might even played guitar in a band for like a while like we had a lot of revolving members like the only steady members from day one of that band was the drummer tony williams and pat who played guitar and bass depending Mm -hmm. on what needed to be filled at the time right and that was it and they wrote basically all the songs because they were the only two original members you know like i didn't do shit i didn't write lyrics i didn't do anything you know like it's like here we wrote this song Sing. Sing. Well, what happened to Halsey that you needed to come in to replace him? I don't know. I really don't even know the falling out, because I was friends with all those guys, because, uh, you know, Pat used to skate. He used to be really good, and then he quit, you know, when skating got really hard. He was good at one particular part of skateboarding, like a lot of ho-hos and invert street plants and jump ramp, but uh, as it got harder, he couldn't keep up. He quit, and he was more focused on playing guitar and going to shows and... Porn. Porn. <laughs> he used to actually always film having sex with his girlfriend, and he used to like show us really? before we had band practice. It was oh, God. disturbing. I don't want to see it. I don't want to yeah. see it <laughs> in that what? state. It's like I kind of already knew the route he was going in yeah, life. Yeah, like yeah. that dude was the first time I ever went to a strip club was with him. It was after practice. Like I never went to a strip club. We went to Fantasy Show Bar. Like because he was going to drive me back to the city. I can't imagine
0: point of view going. <laughs> to the fantasy show bar yeah
1: and he's like matter of fact would never do that yeah i know that's why i love those dudes (laughs) but like pat like i don't even know how it came up because he just kind of i think he just asked me he's like you ever been to a strip club I'm like no i never really had a desire and we went and unfortunately i knew some girl from high school dancing there Uh which made it even more awkward because she comes up to me she's like what are you doing here i'm like no what are you doing here (laughs) And then it was weird, and then that scarred me for life, and I haven't been to a strip club since. It was the first time, last time, but yeah, uh, yeah that was the worst stop before we went over to Walt Whitman Bridge <laughs> ever in my life. But now that place is gone. I think it burnt down to the ground or something. It's not there. But uh, yeah, you're right, yeah. I, I but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know the falling out with Halsey. Maybe Halsey got all weird, uh, maybe got too Krishna. I, I I seriously don't know what happened, but one day Pat was like, hey, do you wanna like be the singer or try out or something? Cause we need a singer and you know all the songs. So you've basically seen every one of our shows. And I'm like, yeah, cause you guys played every show I've ever been to. Like I was <laughs> right. forced to know this shit. Yeah. And, and you uh, hadn't been in any other bands prior to that. Right? No, I was never in a band. All I did was skate. And go to shows. Yeah. And, uh... The tra- perfect qualification. Yeah. Sing. It's not like you guys to actually be singing, you know? So after one practice, I was the singer. And that yeah. was it. And then we were playing shows, like, the next week. And I was like, damn. And I t- lost my voice, like, right away. I'm like, yeah. ah! You
0: have to learn to we- sing from your diaphragm.
1: I think we had to go up to Syracuse for a show. That might have been, like, one of the first shows we did. It was, like, Upstate. And, uh... God, I don't know. Who the hell did we play with? Framework... I'm trying to think of Syracuse bands. Maybe Snapcase might have played. This could have been before Earth. We didn't play Earth Crisis. Maybe I don't know. Can't remember. This dude Larry Ransom sent me photos though from like because I guess we played a bunch of shows like up upstate. We were up there for a couple days. We played Syracuse, maybe Buffalo, Rochester. Mm-hmm. At yeah, those are Paradeon. pretty
0: pretty hopping scenes at the time. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. know what, the, what they are now, but at the
1: time, yeah. oddly enough, there was yeah. a lot. Seemed to be a lot going on there. Yeah, and the show was like. Packed. I just remember it's like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm like thrown into this. Like, what the hell is going yeah. on? Like, what, what did I sign up for? Fire. Yeah, but it was long out. As you hold the mic like this, you know? Yeah, you scream, you and I was surprised. Well, I guess I wasn't surprised. Maybe I was because I had only seen Point of View play like in South Jersey or whatever. So, mm-hmm. like, I never seen him play outside of like friends, like knowing, you yeah. know, the lyrics. So it was, like, a surprise to see kids, like, singing along and shit. I'm like, oh, I got to this hold the mic out half the time. Like, these dudes know the words. Yeah. So, that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, that was interesting. It was, it was weird to get a photo, like, when I met this dude, Larry, like, out in California... He was working actually for Mike V. He was like his personal assistant. He's like, hey, I remember you. you used to be in this band. I have like a ton of photos of you. And he like sent me these photos. It's oh, like, holy shit, this is weird because I don't remember any of this. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, this is a show from here, here, and here. I'm like, what? I'm like, this is sick. Thanks, man. Do you put these up on Facebook? Yeah, I'll put some photos up. Or I do Instagram more than Facebook. I'm not a Facebook person because I have too many family members on there and Uh, I got to be like selective with what I put like with mom and like you know cousins and aunts and uncles like I still don't think they get a 100% of what I'm into and I'm not into what they're into yeah you but know, it's not so like it's, you're,
0: you know, pat in the porn industry. I mean, it's, yeah. like, I can't imagine.
1: But what. if I threw some stuff up there, very, like, personal, like, belief stuff, like, I don't think my mom would 100% get it. Okay. Yeah. Like, if I put something up there about, uh, you know, supporting the gay football player who just came out, like, mm-hmm. uh, damn, I'm forgetting his name. and He's, like, all over the news, like, all this week. Yeah. God, dude, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Sam something. Yeah. I, uh,
0: well, fair enough. But yeah,
1: so yeah. But I would put something up because I like sports and I don't care that he's gay. So I would put something up like supporting him and like being psyched on that. Mm-hmm. Whereas like my mom, who's super religious, wouldn't understand me like coming out and support for yeah, someone yeah. who's gay because they don't understand why someone's gay, even though we have gay relatives. Oh, you and, do.
0: And how, how does the family react? Oh, to my gay God.
1: Relatives? Well, this is what you know, like, I mean, I learned it over Christmas, this past Christmas, because, I mean, my one cousin, Tamika, she came out, like, a long time ago, and I kind of already knew she was gay before she came out, because of, I could just, like, tell, I don't know, maybe I have enough gay friends where I could kind of almost tell now, but, uh, you know, when she came out, like, I mean, people are, like, supportive to an extent, but then, like, you know, like when they're behind someone's back and they're not there, and it's like a family gathering, like people's real feelings and you know the truth comes out. Yeah, it yeah. must be disheartening for you because yeah. you're probably hearing this stuff. Yeah, because uh, you know
0: you're not one of the gay family members. Yeah, but yet you're not yeah. supportive of what they're saying. Uh, yeah,
1: for sure. So uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty hard to like have like an opinion about something like that where like. Everybody else in the family thinks one way, so you're just like, fuck, what do we, what do I say? I just shut up and don't say anything, because the discussion came up about, I didn't go to this family reunion or something that happened in North Carolina, and, like, there was some cousin they haven't seen in a while, and I guess he came out as being gay, mm-hmm. and I remember the exact conversation is like, oh, he's such a good-looking man, what a waste, <laughs> and I'm just like, what a waste for who? Yeah. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. And... I'm just sitting here with my own thoughts, and then there was some, you know, and we're, we're in like Long Island at my cousin's house for Christmas, and there's a bunch of family members, and then something came up about, oh, well, God will judge him or whatever when he's dead, and then that uh, will like determine his fate, and I'm just like, oh my God, there it's I nice go. It's nice family to members like, think he's
0: burning in hell. Yeah. As
1: a of, and then something came about one of my other cousins, uh, Lavon, he's a little bit older than me, he still lives here in the city. And we kind of grew up like together in my grandparents' house in Germantown at the same time. Like uh, we lived in the same house also, like definitely when my parents were like going through a divorce and I like had a stint there. And he was there and he's a few years older than me. And uh, I used to follow whatever he did. And uh, he actually was working at this health food store in Germantown, which is like one of the oldest ones in Philly. It's uh, on Maplewood Mall. Um, he might still actually work there. Um, but he got full on into this vegetarian thing a long time ago. And like, it took me a while to catch up to him, but Mm -hmm. he doesn't eat anything with like bleached flour, processed sugar. Like he's like gnarly, like health dude. Okay. But he said something about not believing in God one day in front of my family, and everyone just lost it. Like, how can you not believe in God? And I was like, holy shit, I better not say anything. <laughs> and then they're this, like, well, he's gonna go to hell. And I'm thinking, I'm like, he can't go someplace he doesn't even believe it exists. <laughs> and I'm just like, God, my family's like clueless, so. I try not to get into Do they think that Vern is going to hell as well? Um, if they knew how I thought, uh-huh. yes, I'd be going to hell. <laughs> but, uh, I'd be going someplace I don't believe exists, but, uh, it's definitely weird, uh, discussing. Because, like, before my mom got on Facebook, I used to put, like, a lot of weird political posts and stuff like that. Like, a lot of things, like how I felt, like, if something was going on in the world, like, I'd just always had to voice my opinion and I'd get into arguments with like complete strangers then I was like over it I'm like man I got time to argue with some dude I'm never going to meet yeah, yeah. who's like commenting on like a Facebook post like who cares but I'm like damn if my mom would have saw half that stuff she'd be freaking out and there'd be like a phone call mm-hmm. about why I believe a certain thing yeah. <laughs> and she wouldn't understand we to pause it for once again yeah, no problem
0: uh, we are back uh, after doing some photos and uh let us delve back into the world of Vern <laughs> yeah let's delve back in now you you, you mentioned uh, just now that uh when we were doing the pictures a few things came to mind that you wanted to mention uh <laughs> what what were these
1: things all right well the thing is like you know we're sitting here in Roxborough like um this dude Keith D. Giovanni used to have a mini ramp in his yard here in Roxborough this is like Late '80s, early '90s, or whatever, and like. Do you remember where in Roxburgh? I can't remember where. That's why I was like trying to remember. I'm like, damn, Keith, what street do you live on? I almost wanted to send him a message on Facebook because that's the only way I'm friends with him. Because I don't think he still lives in Philly. I think he moved somewhere, but it was like his parents' house here. And I remember like when I was still living in Germantown, like we like heard about this mini ramp and we skated across like right here, like Walnut Lane. You can uh-huh. skate across, and you're in Germantown, near Roxboro. It's like ah oh, there's this dude that has this ramp and i remember like searching out this dude's ramp like we eventually found that i don't think we found it that day but we met that dude keith like skating in downtown at like city hall or something mm-hmm. and like i'm glad that something happened yeah yeah, so yeah nothing happens in yeah Rocksboro. oh my friend ari is from here he lives in la he does like hollywood stuff but uh that's all i could think about from Rocksboro. <laughs> Rocksboro does not produce yeah. uh, any point yeah. of greatness no nah. It's quiet here. Yeah, which is which is why I live here. Yeah, yeah. But uh Yeah, let's get back to hardcore stuff. Bro. Okay,
0: hardcore. Well we wanted to talk a little bit about the Unisound. I don't I don't know that anyone's really talked about it in any of the other interviews. I mean it was it was outside of the city and in a sense it's slightly outside of the focus of the project. Yeah. However it was a place that a lot of Philly people went to for shows in the nineties. Uh, yeah. So maybe you could be the first person to kind of explain what the Unisound, where it was, what it was about, what was going on there.
1: Yeah. Unisound was this awesome music venue in Reading, Pennsylvania. I don't know, maybe like an hour away from the city or so at two hours. I don't know. Um, I should know because I did have relatives that lived in Reading, <laughs> and we went there a lot, but, um, you don't know. Time has no reference when you're young. Um, It was, I don't know, man. They had a mini ramp there. That's, like, what I was really psyched on. The first time I went to Unisound was, like, Gorilla Biscuit Summer Tour. I think it was, like, 89 or something. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I went with, like, your brother, Uh Big John, Chris Fry like i went with all the matter of fact dudes like that's how i got there maybe rich bevilacqua like if you remember that nope. name i don't even know oh, what happened to that oh, yeah, dude yeah, yeah.
0: no 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 i, I still see rich uh, <laughs> he comes to conventions that i work and I, and I see his sister sometimes too or,
1: yeah she, like i actually have photos of that dude like that dude was punk man like skateboard and like everything i love that dude that dude was sick <laughs> yeah he's a, he's a tattoo artist now uh,
0: he's got tattoos on his neck and
1: a- yeah somehow we i don't know who drove us because i i didn't drive at the time i was probably like 15 so i didn't drive but i definitely met your brother and rich because they skated mm-hmm. and that's how i met them and then i became friends with all the his crew and uh i was like grill biscuits i want to go because i was like psyched on them like start today and all that yeah, yeah, shit yeah. Dude, grill biscuits so sick
0: yeah that record's fantastic
1: so uh, we go. And at that time, Unisound had no stage. Like, there was like one step or something, was like the stage. I remember Big John was like pushing people back pretty much from like not falling on Gorilla Biscuits, like while they're playing. Well, what was it? You should explain to people, like, what was Unisound? Like, was it an active club? Or what was it? I don't even know if it there? was a club. Like, what was it? Like I, I, I don't felt- actually know. That's what I, I I don't even know. Like, I felt like it was like a warehouse or. A garage, like, I don't even remember, like, I just remember, like, walking in, there was a mini ramp, it was a huge open space, there was, like, a shitty, like, somewhat excuse for a stage at that time, Mm -hmm. and I think they even had, like, jump ramps, like, there was, like, street ramps, like, it was really wide open space, like, I just didn't... Get it. I was like, is this a skate park? Is this a music venue? Mm-hmm. Like what the hell's going on here? But But you gotta love it because coming you know, with if skating is yeah. number one, hardcore is
0: number two, here's number yeah. one and two, like in the yeah. same
1: place. Yeah, I was psyched and I end up meeting dudes that I'm still friends with to this day, like uh on the mini ramp. Like uh Serge tritnowski was there, he later on became like a roommate. And he ends up buying a house in Germantown, like two houses down from where I went to grade school. Mm -hmm. Like that shit's just weird to me. And we lived together for like years throughout the 90s, like all over, you know, downtown Philadelphia. And uh, he turned out to be a pro skateboarder and he was awesome. And here I am meeting him at this show in like 1989. And I met like Chad Kramer there, Brian Sieber, like all these dudes that went on to be pro skaters that grew up in like Lancaster. Mm -hmm. So Unisound was like, It kind of brought people from, like, different scenes because it was just kind of like an in-between... Reading was like an in-between, like, city, you know? So, I don't know. I I, That dude Jake owned it, and I remember he had, like, a dog that ran around there, and I I seriously don't even know what Unisound was because it didn't look like a traditional, like, music venue, and it didn't look like a skate park. It Uh just looked like a place. (laughs) Like, it's really hard to describe, like... It was kind of like a free for all. Like I don't, I don't even know. Like it was awesome. That was like my first time there, and I'm like, anytime anybody was driving there, I tried to like get in the car. And those are the days where you're sitting in the trunk or wherever. Like someone's got a station wagon. There's like ten people in it. You're like, you just don't care because you got to get there. Yeah, you gotta get to the place. Yeah, and and I was psyched because I'm like, okay. And I would see the flyers at like you know Zipperhead or something. I'm like, okay. Judge is playing. How are we getting to the show? Like me and like I, I hung out with this dude Ryan goronsky a lot at the time, and he's like, "Yeah, how are we getting out there? How are we going to see the show? Who's driving? Who's got a car?" Mm-hmm. And that's what you did. You tried to figure it out because we were love park skaters, but we also wanted to see Judge, but we wanted to skate the ramp. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And <laughs> a funny thing too about <laughs> there was this local band called SWAT from Reading, mm-hmm. and we didn't know at the time. We thought. They were this rap group swat that was like in a lot of skate videos, like a lot of H Street and Planet Earth videos, like had like good music soundtracks back then, like, you know, like Operation Ivy was like the entire soundtrack for one skate video. And I was like, oh, my God, it's like the best band ever heard, like had to go buy Operation Ivy record the next day. And, uh, so there was this rap group called SWAT, and I'm like, yeah, these dudes are kind of sick. And we saw them on the flyer opening up for Judge, we're like, yo, that rap group is playing with Judge, this is awesome! <laughs> we get there, and it's like some local hardcore band, and Serge is laughing at us, cause like, you guys came all the way out here thinking you're seeing a rap group, and like, I'm friends with these dudes, these dudes play like every show at mm-hmm. Unisound, like, what the hell are you guys thinking? I'm like, I don't know, we didn't know. <laughs> we weren't even psyched we were going to see judge or something we're like it was more for swat (laughs) yeah swat (laughs) but uh yeah unison was sick and then like later on with like all the krishna shows there's always like free food at every krishna show so uh then we were fortunate enough to play with shelter like we played with them. And I remember one time, I think they set off like a fire sprinkler in there or something. Like, who set it shelter off? Shelter would like do this like little ritual with like, and they're chanting on their way onto the stage and they smoke and incense and yeah. shit. And I remember these sprinklers going <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, it sucked. <laughs> Everyone's getting wet. <laughs> that must have been like, maybe that was like 93, 92. I don't know. How long, was, blur. how long was Unisound around for? Do you recall? The- <laughs> I, I don't know when the last show was there. Like, I, I really don't know because there was a time period where I didn't go to shows for a little while, like, especially with the breakup of Point of View. Like, I think I was just kind of bummed for mm-hmm. a little while. And I thought a lot of hardcore bands sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just really kind of uh, disconnected for a little bit and... Uh, I was going through some weird emo stage where I was listening to, like, Big Drill Car and some weird shit. I don't even know. Pennywise before they got kind of whack and yeah. <laughs> Offspring. I was listening to, like, some weird stuff. Like, I was going through a weird phase. And those were also the bands that were, like, soundtracks for, like, skate videos. I think I was into Primus for, like, a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going through some. And then I just got fallen into Wu-Tang definitely also in, like, 94. I was, like really in the Wu-Tang. <laughs> so my music was all over the place. and. Uh, Point I of View just released the one 7-inch, right? There was the one 7-inch. There was uh, two demo tapes. There was a split 7-inch with Disregard. We were on a comp with Ashes, Framework, and... One more band, can't remember. Yeah, I might, I might have that. It's a yeah, the seven inch, right? It's a seven inch yeah, yeah, yeah. compilation, Yuletide Records, I think.
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> I remember
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe Policy Three is on that. I but think. Yeah, there it is. There it is. It's Policy Three, Ashes, Framework, Point of View. Yeah. On some comp, and uh then we were recording a full length record in the summer of '94, and we broke up in the middle of recording, and. Uh, I remember when Tony Williams started the fan page for Point of View on Facebook. He had all the tracks. I guess he got them from like the studio because we never paid them. We recorded all this stuff. We broke up and they still had the music. But I saw it on the Facebook page. I was like, damn, that's all the tracks that we recorded for this record that never got released. Uh-huh. And then one day they were gone. So I need to hit them up. Be like, yeah, what happened to all those? Were they like,
0: complete? Like all the elements con- Yeah, it
1: Yeah, it was complete enough that everything was there like i don't think it was like the final master you know like you know but it was mixed enough that it sounded good enough even though i always thought we kind of (laughs) sucked so i was always surprised that people were into us i'm Uh like why are people singing along like we kind of (laughs) suck like there's better bands that we're playing with and um but I guess if it's your local guys, you yeah, know, like that's but, always a thing. But I just remember we played the New Bedford Fest, and it was like a three-day music fest, and we had like a pretty good billing for like the second day, and I was there was tons of people like rushing the stage and like grabbing the mic, and I was like, "What the hell? Like, do kids in New Bedford or Boston or New England like no good music? We kind of suck. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just hard critic, or maybe I just liked." bigger bands or different bands or wished we were on the level of, like, another band. Like, I don't know. But that was a pretty good show. I think Earth Crisis played, Snapcase, Grip, Ashes. I don't know. there's like, a ton of bands. Um, That was, like, definitely one of the better shows. That was, like, almost kind of, you know, that wasn't towards the end. But it was getting near there because that was, like, a, a New Year's fest. So it was, like, between... 93, 94 over New Year's. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, Chokehold played. Because I was, I ended up, like, kind of dating the girl, Kendra, who put the show on. Mm-hmm. And then she dumped me for the singer Chokehold. And they're still married and have kids to this day. So I can't yeah, be well, too mad. Yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was pretty psyched on her. I was going to Boston a lot, actually, <laughs> <laughs> to hang out with Kendra. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. No, but it was funny because Chokehold was, like, the other spectrum of the vegan straight-edge bands because there was, like, Earth Crisis that was super militant, and then there was, like, Chokehold that wasn't, but they had, like, the same philosophy, kind of, you know, so you know some people gravitated more towards chokehold and some dudes went towards earth crisis yeah, and i, I kind of like i, but... <laughs> I kind of like both of the bands because i'm like ah different occasions if i'm like more angry i'm like Ugh, earth crisis there's a firestorm The purify <laughs> like i was getting all psyched but uh yeah it was funny also when i lived in this apartment on 15th and pine there was four of us living in this apartment and um one was a tattoo artist, skater. I mean, we were all skaters, but like one did tattoos out of our living room, and my other roommate, John Senese, who I'm like still good friends with to this day, he's like one of my best friends. Uh, he was super straight edge then, but he wasn't vegan, mm-hmm. so he'd be listening to Earth Crisis in our kitchen, like cooking up hamburgers, like <laughs> singing Earth Crisis songs. I think like, you
0: have to give his ass a fire star.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny, but now like when I go to his house in SF. He's, like, the total, like, hippie green family. Like, him and his wife, like, have the attachment on their bike, and they ride to the co-op that his wife, like, works at. Uh And, like, they make, like, homemade, like, almond milk and shit. And, like, Uh I, like, love going to their house, because I'm like, dude, I eat so good. Awesome. Like, when I'm here, like, she's making her own, like, cashew cheese and stuff. Uh And I was like, dude, you have, like, the best wife, like, ever. (laughs) I hate you. I love you. I hate you. (laughs) So, uh. Yeah, it's funny how that works but um yeah those those were the good good old days uh we played scarlet o'hara's a lot that place was weird and the funny thing about unisound and scarlet o'hara's they always attracted the white power dudes but unisound kind of kept all the dudes out like you know no prejudice no drugs no nothing like on all the flyers and Mm -hmm. uh there was never a problem with, like, White Power Skinheads at Unisound, but Scarlet O'Hara's, on the other hand... Oof. It was a
0: rock club, right? Just kind of a sleazy...
1: Yeah, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, I mean, yeah, and, right, like... Who oh, else is going to be there? Yeah, it, it, that, that place sucked. We used to play with Flagman a lot out there, and, like, Mouthpiece and yeah. uh, bands like that, and... Uh, I don't know. There was, like, a whole bunch of bands from that whole area. Uh, God, I can't remember. That dude, Aaron Frobase, was out there. A Mayish straight edge. <laughs> like, all these dudes from the middle of Pennsylvania, like, with their little clicks. Uh, yeah, Those dudes were cool, though. It's good, good times right there. <laughs> Bringing back memories. Hey, I got a good one. Yeah. Check this out. I got your demo tape, orgasmic toilet pan. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. So, <laughs> I remember my mom was freaking out because she didn't understand. Like, I was putting up all these posters and shit, like, on my wall, like... I would have, like, all these skate photos. Like, I would cut out, out of Thrasher and, like, Transworld and put up, like, all my favorite skaters. But then I'd have, like, a Misfits poster, just a skull and some Danzig shit and, like, Sam Hain. Like, I was full on into yeah, all that, is that not stuff. not giving praise to Jesus. Yeah, my mom thought I was, like, crazy satanic. Uh-huh. So she starts looking at all the records I'm buying, and she comes across the orgasmic toilet band. Like, for some reason... She starts reading all the lyrics, Uh and she's freaking out. She's like, what does this? I don't understand these lyrics. Why is this? What does orgasmic (laughs) toilet band mean? Like, she was losing it. She didn't understand my subtle satire. No, she didn't understand. I'm like, Mom, it's sarcasm. Don't you get it? Like, she's reading the lyrics to Captain America. Like, doesn't get it at all. And she thought, like, I was crazy. And then when she read Dead Kennedy's lyrics, like, she was really losing it. She's like, what is a Nazi punk and why are they fucking (laughs) off? Like, I don't get this. What music are you listening to? What has happened to my burn? Yeah, like, it was, it didn't go over too well. Like, I had to start hiding lyric sheets i think because uh my mom was not having it that orgasmic toilet band, you fucked me up i'm man. sorry
0: <laughs> <I> <laughs> that, that never was still imagined. like
1: that was still like one of the better demo tapes i think i got at a show like back in the day yeah thanks
0: well t- some of the guys were <laughs> were amazing musicians who knew nothing about hardcore they were yeah. really like prog rock musicians really uh, yeah like uh dion the guitarist Marty was playing bass, and there was a jazz guy playing drums for most of it who's now professional... They're all professional musicians now. The guy, who, the drummer like plays with really big jazz people and tours all over the world, so none of these people knew anything about punk. They just wanted to do this weird project. I was the only one who was involved in punk, so they... The music was really good. Yeah, yeah, they, they, <laughs> yeah. they were... I mean, my singing was
1: terrible. The writing was okay. The singing was bad, yeah, but yeah. the musicians were really, really good. Yeah, you know, and... Um I'm thinking, like, another good demo I have is, like, 200 Stitches. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Who <laughs> opened for... Uh, Gaza, Yeah, Yeah, the, the Drexel, Drexel show. Drexel yeah, in the that parking was garage. One of the all-time greatest uh, Philly shows, I think. <laughs> yeah, there was a million people in a parking garage, yeah. and it was cold. <laughs> yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, it was, it was really windy coming through the parking garage. Yeah. I think everybody who
0: was at that show will hold that as, like, one of their finest life yeah. memories. I
1: still forward. like to claim that as, like, my first show because it's such the best show like when people ask me about my first show it's like well that's the best memory i have of a show because i have a lot of memories from that show yeah and it was the best five bucks i ever spent in my life yeah and i loved fugazi but
0: you can say you went to club pizzazz which for some people is a a mythical
1: but i don't really have like fond memories you know like that drexel parking garage yeah that it's was so thousand percent weird.
0: magic yeah and it was the fugazi the first record wasn't even out yet at the time yeah right? yeah it was yeah. just
1: like uh, oh, ian from minor threats to yeah. new band yeah that was the myth because yeah. it's like i never saw minor threat this is the closest i'm ever going to get to yeah. seeing minor threat so i was really psyched yeah and so that is and that was everybody show. in the audience yeah it's like they're really psyched and it was yeah amazing. i think that's why there were so many people there because i couldn't understand why there's a lot of people in a parking garage and how did that ever happen yeah who did that show? I,
0: I don't know i don't know i uh, don't get
1: it but the 200 stitches demo was fucking amazing it was really good yeah, and yeah. i'm like i don't even know who those dudes are I, I still have it in my possession yeah
0: i have that as well yeah it's <laughs> back at my
1: parents house in new jersey yeah. but it does exist I, I might do like a little instagram post of uh demo tapes I think I got one with split decision. I think they played some Harwin shows and uh, God, I have all the matter of fact ones. <laughs> the hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a, those are good memories right there. And uh, I don't know. I wish we still did Point of View for a little while longer. I mean, we played the Turning Point reunion show. That was our last show, but yeah. we didn't know it was going to be our last show. It would have been
0: good if the record came out at least as a yeah. document, you know, of what you did yeah you know and then there would be a recording of you you know your time in the band singing yeah i mean i guess if this shit exists
1: it exists i mean i'm gonna try and have tony i'm gonna contact tony and try and get that stuff but uh that that turning point reunion show was definitely our best show so it's awesome that it was like our last show yeah because uh we definitely went out with a bang and we got to play right before turning point because our guitarist you know book the show so mm-hmm. yeah. we got like yeah. the best spot yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and great. uh i know a lot of people were bummed burning joint getting paid sixteen hundred dollars to play a show <laughs> yeah, and yeah. uh i remember my boy martin castro he used to book our shows in dc he drove up like talking mad shit <laughs> like burning joint yeah, yeah i heard that <laughs> yeah. quite a lot yeah yeah it was uh that was fucking pretty awesome Damn, there were some other G Willigers shows that I went to. Where, G <laughs> where crazy white power skinheads would show up. There, I remember seeing like some mouthpiece shows. There, where like just the craziest dudes would show up. G Willigers, and that place sucked. Too. Yeah, it certainly did. <laughs> oh, man. But
0: at the time, it's like any place, you know, yeah. any place that you can find yeah. to do a show was was worth going to and worth uh, trying to get something at.
1: There was like some weird ones in like VFW halls and shit, like. Uh, damn there was one we went to like maybe in summerdale like vision played a vfw hall and uh god there's one in like willow grove i don't even know who booked the shows out there but all the disregard dudes and frail mm-hmm. and franklin i used franklin, to see yeah, them at yeah. some like elks lodge or something in willow grove i don't even know like random children before franklin ralph yeah, yeah. had that band yeah, I should be uh, interviewing
0: Ralph, I hope. Uh, well, Ralph
1: stayed at my house in L.A. for a while. Like, he hit me up randomly. Haven't talked to Ralph in a long time. He's like, I'm tired of living in Chicago. I'm coming to L.A. And he just shows up at my house. Was this
0: recently? This is recently. Okay, yeah, yeah. This is I like- just noticed that he moved from Chicago to L.A. I didn't realize it.
1: Yeah, he fucking lived on my couch till he got an apartment in L.A. He was, just, he was at my house for like a month until he found an apartment. Then he got a job and... He's DJing, but he's trying to do music stuff and I remember I was like on a skate trip in Florida and he was in some band, High Life Savant, so I saw them play like everyone's at the skate park like party, like after party thing mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, I'm gonna go see my friend's band play over here at this other club. And There was like barely anyone there, but I mean I've been a fan of Ralph's stuff, so he, oh, I yeah, mean yeah. since random children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me so, too. So uh yeah, he's, he's a good dude, uh, pretty tight with him, and got him bummed I missed the Pagan Babies reunion, but...
0: <laughs> uh, they do play now and again, so uh, it, it, it can happen. Uh, ruin, probably less likely, uh, but yeah. Pagan Babies do play now and again. And they're really nice guys, too. I interviewed two of them, and they were both really great interviews. Damn. Um, oh, Jesus, it's, it's so late that it's
1: completely dark now. Oh, this um, is your bedtime. The, the lights went off here. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's funny.
0: Well, we should probably... Uh,
1: oh, let's go into skateboarding and get it over with. Yeah, the, the thing is, like,
0: because because this can't go on yeah, yeah. like too much longer than it is now or I want yeah. to be able to upload the thing, yeah. um, I feel like I'm shorting you or some of the no, people no, no. who want to listen to this, no, no. but if we say, like, all right, I interviewed Vern about yeah. hardcore, Yeah. and we talked about some skating too because yeah. clearly it's a big part. Because otherwise, we couldn't really give it the what it deserves. Yeah. And there's probably other people who know way more about it than me, considering as I said, I know nothing about skating. Yeah, uh, but you are—I mean, that is your life.
1: Now. Yeah, I that mean, is my life. Yeah. I am and the, what is
0: it that you? What are you doing? Who do you work for? What I'm
1: the team manager for Bones Bearings, which is a part of Skate One Distribution, which. Ultimately, is Pal Peralta Skateboards like uh, George Powell and Stacy Peralta? They're my bosses, they're mm-hmm. the owners of the company that I work for. Man. And for skateboarding, that's basically like you know, like the god of skateboarding, yeah, you yeah. know, because it's been around for uh, 35 years. We celebrated a 35 year party, so yeah, it's been around mm-hmm. for 35 years. Pal Peralta Skateboards, the Bones Brigade, everybody. In skateboarding, like I would say 90% of people in skateboarding have skated for Pal Peralta at one point in their career or some Mm -hmm. division of it, be it Bones Bearings, which I manage, or Bones Wheels. So uh, there's a long legacy there, a lot of history. Uh, For those maybe know Stacey Peralta as like a documentary filmmaker because he did, uh, you know, The Lords of Dogtown, Mm -hmm. and he did one, uh, some surfing movie... Uh, he did one on Bloods and Crips. Uh, I don't know. He does a lot of stuff outside of skateboarding, but uh, you know, he was one of the original pro skateboarders for Dogtown when skateboarding got the original existence of mm-hmm. skateboarding from surfing to skateboarding because he was also you know a professional surfer. Right. As most of those guys were back into the set in the seventies and transitioned into skating backyard pools. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm kind of psyched I worked there because I have access to all this Pal Peralta stuff. Uh, he made a documentary about the Pal Peralta company. It uh, came out uh, two years ago. It premiered at Sundance Film Festival. Um, then there was like a bonus to it because so many people were psyched on it. And uh, that got all the original Bones Brigade guys back together like Tony Hawk, Lance Mountain, uh, Steve Caballero, Rodney Mullen, Mike McGill, Tommy Guerrero it allowed us to reissue all their old boards from the 80s and reissue all these old t-shirts. So, um, you know, all the collectors and old guys still involved in skating, they love that stuff because uh, I just got an email that I got to, like, do some social media release tomorrow for another wave of, like, reissue boards and uh, light boxes, boards that come in these, like, awesome display cases that we're selling. So... Mm -hmm. You know, all the old guy collectors will come out of the woodworks and love collecting all that stuff. Um, and you have a Vern board now, right? I do have a board, uh, which is kind of funny because, I mean, I'm not pro on any means of the level of skating pro, but um, that board came about through, through a weird way actually. Uh, um, the guy Mike Stein, who created the graphic, he actually originally did it for Ricky Oyola, who was a pro skateboarder mm-hmm. here in Philadelphia. You should explain
0: what it looks like.
1: Uh, oh, it, the graphic basically is a ripoff of a Pal Peralta graphic, the most famous one that gets ripped off by everybody still to this the day. Skeleton. The skeleton ripping out of yeah. the skin. You know, it's uh, the Ripper graphic. So it's basically a Philly fanatic skeleton uh-huh. ripping out. Oh, <laughs> you right. know, the the fanatic Ripper. You know, and it's got the Phillies hat on and everything. looks exactly like the Fanatic, but in a skeleton form. Uh And my name in, like, a Phillies font. (laughs) Uh Nice. So, uh, it's basically everything I love. Skateboarding in the Phillies in Philadelphia. (laughs) So, it it, it was perfect. But the graphic was supposed to say Oyola. And it was going to be for his company called Traffic. But for some reason, Ricky didn't like the graphic or didn't want to do it. So, the graphic got shelved. And then, uh... It resurfaced, I think, a couple years later, like two years later, uh, they made it on a t-shirt for Exit Skate Shop in Northern Liberties, but it was like a limited amount of t-shirts. And then 10 years later, it kind of resurfaced now on my board. Uh But it resurfaced maybe two years ago as like a joke, like my friend Mike, who made the graphic, kind of sent it to me, but he changed it and it said Vern. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, this would be a great board graphic. So I kind of pitched the idea to the Palo Peralta guys, but... They weren't into it. So the idea got shelved again. And uh, then I reposted it on Instagram like a year ago. And then one of my friends who has a wood shop, David Ritchie, he's got a wood shop in Carson, California. He uh, was like, oh, I'll put that on my boards. You know, I'm making boards. I have this, you know, side project company called Surprise Skateboards, you know. And um, I met him because he used to do boards for another company I worked for called Listen. And he worked the wood shop that made our boards. And, you know, he's from Chicago. We're the same age. He used to have a skate shop. And, you know, we used to just hang out and talk a lot of industry talk, you know, anytime I went and picked up an order for this company Listen. And uh, so here it is years later. He's got a comic book store. He's friends with all these, like, comic book artists that have, like, this outlet for, like, other art that necessarily won't be used for comic books. So... Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, you could just put it on these boards here. You know, It'll be my artist skateboard company yeah. thing. And um, and then he saw my graphic. He's like, yeah, I could throw that on a board. And you know, and then, uh, and then people were like, hey, can you put on a T-shirt? And I'm like, I got a bunch of friends that want to buy it if we put on a T-shirt. Uh-huh. So we started making limited runs of the T-shirts. And uh, then I have friends that want stickers. We haven't made the stickers yet. But uh, we've sold through the amount of boards he thought we would sell we haven't sold the amount that i want to sell which is i mean the ad just came out yesterday i posted it on instagram today and a bunch of my friends reposted it because they saw it and they were psyched so hopefully we get like a few more orders and people buy more boards but he's like talking about doing another graphic for me i was like Hey man, I can ride this fake pro career <laughs> out for as long as you want, or yeah, as long as people hell, are going to yeah. buy boards. But oh, yeah. it's more or less an industry appreciation deck mm-hmm. because uh, a lot of skateboard companies will do like what's called a guest pro model. Even though like maybe this pro doesn't ride for this company, but they're a fan of this pro, mm-hmm. so they'll create a graphic for their own company. And you know, like I'm sure there's some legalities with like splitting up royalties and all that stuff you know that people work out but it's kind of more like we respect this dude we're doing this guest pro board for him yeah on our company even though he doesn't skate for us or maybe he's retired or something like that and he was pro so i was never pro but i've worked in the skateboard industry technically getting paid since 1996 mm-hmm. so I guess I have enough credibility right. to be deservant of this board, and I guess enough people have bought it that he wants to do another graphic with me. That, so. that,
0: that sounds perfect. I mean, if the, yeah. all the
1: elements are in place, then yeah. You might. Yeah.
0: And you, best of all, you got to give it to your own mom.
1: Right? Yeah, I, I, g- mean, I gave it to my mom on Mother's Day. I'm going to give it to my dad on my birthday, which is funny. I'm giving him a present on my own birthday, but I... I, I've been kind of holding off on like meeting up with him and giving it to him because I kind of want it to be like kind of a special day where I'm like, here's my board and here's my shirt and my mom wore the shirt to work like the next day oh, you know, she's weird. not supposed to be wearing a t-shirt to work but and everyone's like what's going on with the shirt and your son's got a shirt and then like co-workers were like googling me they're like your son's kind of famous mm-hmm. your son does this this and this like you know, like, and my mom loves going into work and bragging how I've been all over the world, like filming skateboarders and doing all this cool stuff. And I think that's what parents like to do. They like to brag about their kids. Yeah, yeah. you know because
0: I guess yeah. if you if you do something that's kind of it's unusual, probably to most people, oh yeah, it it, it takes a little more effort to be able to show it to your parents. I actually have a job and I do these things and people respect me for what I do. And it kind of takes maybe something like that to show them. Yeah. Uh, and then, then they can beam because it's,
1: it's an unusual path that you've taken, but the path has clearly worked for you. It was an unusual path. Uh, it happened total by accident because I got an injury, uh, in 1996. I dislocated my elbow skateboarding Mm -hmm. on a trip up in Boston. And, uh, then I was recovering at the time and doing physical therapy because I couldn't even, like, bend my hand to touch my shoulder. Like, I had to, like, relearn how oh, to use my, yeah. my hand again and my arm. And um, at that time, I was living, I think, like, third in Christian with, like, three other skaters. And one of them <clears throat> skated for this wheel company called Physics. His name was Brian Smith. And uh, he's like, hey, I have to film for this video part, like, can you help me? I'm like, yeah, I can't really do much. I could hold it in this hand and yeah. uh, follow you on the skateboard. And, you know, and then uh, I thought I was just filming like my friend. Like, because I kind of always had video cameras and kind of always like made these little home movies with my friends, yeah, you know, yeah, me and Pat Mahoney actually made a home video, actually skateboarding. Like, that was, like, one of the first ones we made. Oh, I was thinking of something else. <laughs> no, no, we actually made a video. It was, like, me, Pat Mahoney, Tony Williams, I think Dane Robinson. Like, all of us were in this little home video we made, and uh, the soundtrack was actually Warzone, Youth Brigade, Social Distortion. Fully <laughs> licensed tracks. Yeah, yeah. For usage in you, the video. You, yeah, you know how that is. Yeah. Uh, you know, this was back... This is before skateboarding was even popular. Like even when I worked in skateboarding, like no one paid for music for a long time. Like people would just get away with using whatever they wanted. But now you have to get like music rights. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, I get stuff I get stuff blocked on the internet because I don't have the music rights for a song or something like that. Or you can't play it from your mobile device and there's all these weird like little loopholes and things you got to do to get your stuff out there but uh yeah we used to just steal music back then but Mm -hmm. uh so i'm helping my friend for this video and next thing you know i get paid for it i was like whoa this is a job Mm -hmm. like i'm just filming my roommate like this is what i've been doing my whole life i had no idea you get paid for like filming your friends
0: yeah
1: and then that kind of escalated into me filming more people and then uh you know, I got a job at 411 Video Magazine, and they were based in California, and at the time, there was, like, a need for coverage, you know, of skateboarders here in Philadelphia because we did have a decent amount of professional skateboarders living here mm-hmm. in the mid to late 90s, and... Uh, The main guy, Dan Wolf, who was shooting all those guys, he moved to California because he was working for Element Skateboards at the time. So that kind of left this door open and I kind of slid in and I started filming for this smaller company out of Washington, D.C. called uh, East Coast Urethane. And they had uh, first division wheels and uh, nicotine wheels and capital skateboards, Silver Star skateboards. And uh, most of their team guys lived in Philadelphia. So, And I was friends with them because I grew up with these guys. So it's like they gave, they gave me a video camera and they're like, shoot everybody. Mm-hmm. Shoot all the guys on a team and we'll pay you. And I'm like, okay. Start doing all that. Company goes out of business one day because the dude who owned it had some crazy gambling habit. Uh-huh. And he kind of had to disappear or right. someone made him disappear. Right, right. No one really knows what happened because <laughs> uh-huh. he kind of disappeared one day. Right, And so that was over. And then like everything was changing from like high 8 to like mini DV. So like the camera I was using was actually obsolete. So I had to save money to buy this like, HD, or not even HD yet, just a mini DV camera. And, you know, I was like 2500 bucks for a used one back then. I'm like, dude, that's a ton of money. So, you know, I'm delivering pizzas at Bertucci's, (laughs) saving all my tip money, (laughs) delivering pizzas all over downtown, finding skate spots while I'm delivering pizzas. And uh, so it kind of worked out. And then uh, also with all the footage I had of these guys that, you know, I wasn't going to use for a video for a company that went out of business, sent it to 411 these guys at four one one are freaking out because I had a lot of footage of all these good guys and are just like, how do you get all this footage? And I'm like, either you work harder than anybody I know, or we're just lazy. And I'm like, nah, this is like a year of like good footage. And so I became their East coast, like correspondent. And it's like, we're going to send you to all these contests up and down the East coast or film with any pros on the East coast and, or sponsored amateurs. And we'll use all the footage. And, uh, They were sending me to Europe also a lot to cover contests and events because it was like cheaper and easier to send me because I was already on the East Coast and Mm -hmm. send someone all the way from California to Europe. So uh, I was definitely fortunate to go on a lot of trips to Europe then and I was still going to school because at that time I discovered what I wanted to do, which was film after like a year of like accounting, a year of business, a year of not going to school the year of I don't even know like I wanted to be a math teacher I think one year like I kept changing my major and I'm like I don't even know what I want to do and I'm here half the time because my mom's kind of making me do this and Mm. I'm juggling all this stuff but then once I started actually shooting skateboarding it's like this is actually something I like and I'm getting paid for this but I don't really have all the equipment so I was kind of using Temple, like, for their equipment, because I didn't have a computer. Couldn't edit my own stuff, but they had everything I needed. And when I was, like, making, like, reels and, like, making projects, I was, like, using footage from, like, trips. And they were tripping out. Like, I'd have, like, professors, like, why are you here? Like, you're already doing more than most of these kids will ever do here. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and you already got a job in this industry. I'm like, I don't know. I need a degree. Like, I got to, like have a degree to like make movies or something. Right. And they're like, no, all you gotta do is like make a movie and enter it into like a film festival. And that's like, you're in mm-hmm. like, what are you doing here? You're like wasting your time and money. I'm like, well, I'm not wasting my money. I'm like kind of here, like on a grant, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I got like this federal grant, like I'm not spending any of my own money at this <laughs> point because I wasn't making a lot, a lot of money on the books, So I was getting money to go to school, so I'm like, ah, I'm just gonna use you guys for your equipment for as long as I can. Sounds good. And go on trips with Bam before he was Bam, doing jackass and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it was weird. Going to Japan while I'm in school, trying to get off for like two weeks, like talking to professors, like, hey, I gotta go to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good excuse though. I mean you're doing something interesting. I'm some of them were over it when I had to go to India, though, for, like, three weeks. Like, that was that was a rough one to pull, but... Uh, yeah, that's a long time in a semester to be away. Yeah, but I also got paid, like... Because we were doing these separate videos called Around the World through 411 Video Productions where you'd be with a group of skaters in another country. And so the segments were longer, like maybe a 15-minute segment, like... Kind of like a little documentary where, like, only half of it's skating, but half of it is them chilling in another country. Mm -hmm. And, like, that trip to India, like, I got paid, like, a crazy amount of per diem for a country where you spend, like, $2 a day. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) And I got paid pretty well for, like, a 15-minute segment Mm -hmm. because it was separate from, like, the salary I was already getting from 411. It was a pretty awesome Mm -hmm. deal. and got to go to a country i kind of always wanted to go to especially since the little krishna phase and uh Uh then india was nothing like i expected to be and it was like the biggest culture shock of my life and wow that's all i can say is wow like if you ever want to appreciate the small amount of stuff you own you really need to go to a third world country and see how people live yeah and then like i don't think anyone can would complain about anything no i'm sure because yeah, yeah. the poorest person in america is really rich compared to someone in india yeah <laughs> literally eating
0: literally eating garbage you yeah
1: know, you're not- you're eating to survive yeah yeah <laughs> whereas yeah. here you're eating because ah, i'm hungry yeah. or <laughs> like, not even hungry yeah but just like whatever yeah. might yeah. as well eat um, you're not starving here yeah <laughs> so uh
0: well i feel like for time, and I, I yeah. you know, like I said, I hate to do this to you yeah. because I feel like I'm cutting out a major part of your
1: life. Yeah, uh, there is a lot of traveling, a lot of skateboarding, a lot of filming, and I'm here to where I met, uh, working for Pal, and I love it. And I also co-host like skateboard events. I'm on the microphone, hosting events because I guess I'm good at telling jokes <laughs> or making fun of people while they're skating, which I probably shouldn't be doing, but <laughs> well, it so entertains They, must, the they must like
0: it, yeah, so they keep you uh, employed. Yeah. I guess to, to wrap it up, I mean, coming through, having these twin loves of, of hardcore and, you know, primarily skating, uh, yeah. and being able to do this through your entire life, you know, it's yeah. almost like like Young Vern's dream. Yes. I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this is the case. It's like, being able to do the shit that you want to do amongst these, like, creative, active people. Um, I mean, how do you feel about that, looking back, you know, now that you're about to be 40, too? Oh,
1: yeah, I'll be 40 on Monday. Uh, I will say this isn't the route or the path I ever had planned. Because, you know, when you're, like, in grade school, the teachers are like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be Dr. J. That was the first image I ever drew because Dr. the Sixers won a championship in 83 and I thought Dr. J was like the greatest thing ever. Uh-huh. And too bad I sucked at basketball <laughs> because I'm like, oh, well, this dream isn't realistic. But then you get to like high school and you got guidance counselors like, what do you want to be? It's like, how do you know what you want to be or where life is going to put you when you're like 16, 17, 18 years old? You have No clue. Maybe some people do. Maybe, you know, that's all they want to be is this doctor or lawyer or something that's premeditated or something, you know, or something that's like fed to you from your parents. But I don't know, like the day I discovered skateboarding, I wanted to be a professional skateboarder. Mm -hmm. Like, granted, the only way I got it is through this industry guest appreciation model, but I'm pro in someone's eyes and someone's buying something with my name on it, you know, at age 39 and going into 40. And it's also sent you around the world. Yeah, I mean, who? very few people get that opportunity to go to all
0: these amazing places. I mean, we didn't get to talk about it much. Yeah. But.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the, the career path in skateboarding was the default because I got hurt. I mean, I was going to San Francisco a lot. I think the first time I went to San Francisco and I saw the level of skateboarding there, I was like, whoa, these guys are like light ages ahead because this is before the internet and you got to wait for a skate video to come out. And by the time the video comes out here, it's like a year later and these guys in California are on to another thing. And so you're constantly playing catch up. But now with this internet age, everybody's on the same like playing field. But um, I definitely love the career path like it that, I like to say it fell into my lap because I don't, I didn't pursue it. It kind of just happened. And you know, like the best thing about the job is actually traveling. Like you just said, like my first passport, I had to get extra pages in the passport because I ran out of pages for stamps. And I've been like at that point in my life, I think I thought going to California was as far as I would ever go. It's like, man, if I ever make it to California, like I'll be psyched. And I did that. By the time I was 21, I went to California and, I was, and then I started going like every winter because I'm like, well, it's zero here. I'm going to California in the winter, like for my winter break or whatever from school. And then I stopped going to school for like a year or two just so I could go to California for a month or two in, in the winter. But mm-hmm. then once I went to Japan for like that first time, that was the first time I left the United States was to go to Japan with like one of my best friends to visit his parents during Christmas and it turned into a work trip because I ended up shooting all this stuff and got it used for this World Report article for 411 Video Magazine where I shot all these awesome skaters in Japan. And then that really got the travel bug cause I'm like, man, I went to Japan. I want to go somewhere else. I want to go somewhere else. Where else can I go? And that's all I wanted to do was go to as many countries as I could because that's the best education I ever got about what goes on in the world. Like a lot of people just see it through tv or the news or whatever the news Mm -hmm. is going to tell you or whatever they're going to read in a newspaper or whatever it's going to tell you like i've seen shit with my own eyes so i can formulate valid opinions i'd like to think just Mm -hmm. from what i've seen and that's something you could never learn in a book right that's a
0: direct experience yeah yeah yeah, so
1: that's that's definitely the most valuable thing so i like to think i'm rich i'm not rich material wise but, but in experience. But an yeah. experience, I have a ton of experience. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> fantastic.
0: And I like the fact that you 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 get recognition and you use that for to put out positive things. And yeah. I think I mean maybe you don't talk about the vegan or the straight edge that much, but it's there. It's there. It's not hidden. Yeah. And I think that's a positive thing to put out into the world. Yeah. And the fact that like you said when you mentioned the like, the gay athlete to support that. Yeah. You know, like these things need voices and if you're a voice that someone's going to pay attention to and you're using that voice to say something positive that raises people up rather than you know puts them down or it's just stupid yeah
1: exactly uh that's a rarity yes (laughs) uh and i think it has tremendous tremendous value i think it's just all my interaction with so many different people you can't be like really closed when you're experiencing, like, a lot of cultures, a lot of heritages, like, just anything, like, God, there's pro skaters that are gay that aren't out of the closet that I know that I'm friends with, but, I mean, that's their choice whether to come out or not, because still, like, skateboarding is still predominantly, like, a heterosexual, like, male sport, you know, so... A lot of people might not be ready for their favorite skater to be gay. Yeah, but when you say something, I think that 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 makes (laughs) it more acceptable
0: for other people later down the line. You know, it raises that you know acceptance (laughs) in society as a whole. You know, it kind of begins to move up.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I can still remember when one dude did come out in Big Brother magazine. It was like the, the the fucking cover of the magazine said "Interview with a Gay Skater." The next day after that magazine came out, he lost all of his sponsors because, you know, like I said, I know these people still to this day. I'm not trying to mention names, you know, but, you know, that, that sucked for him. But now he's like a, a doctor and he lives in Sacramento. So he's not, yeah. he didn't go to skateboard route, but he was living in Miami at the time and I stayed with him and I was getting jokes from like my friends here in Philly. Like, oh, you're going with this, you're going to go stay with the gay dude in Miami And, like, one of the other skaters I was traveling with was, like, an openly gay skater from Delaware. Mm -hmm. And the other skater I was traveling with had an openly gay brother. So, like, everyone had all these, like, ideas and thoughts and jokes. I was like, man, you guys kind of need to grow up. (laughs) But, I mean, that's just how skateboarding is. So, like, just from that one dude losing his sponsors, I think it made other people afraid to, like, openly come out mm-hmm. and that was in 1998 this yeah. is 2014 and unfortunately the mentality still hasn't changed
0: yeah do you do you think that there are at least like cracks in the facade that it begins because it seems like society as a whole yeah. becomes more accepting yeah is, i'm is there starting
1: to be it i don't i don't know skateboarding is still its own little thing and there's so many haters in skateboarding people hate on stuff they they'll hate on girls skateboarding they hit on like Pathetic. yeah like yeah it's oh man they're gonna definitely hate like you know and like people don't get it and i think i've corrected people like this is one thing i definitely will do like if i make like a post and it's like a work post and somebody would be like oh that's gay and then i'll like correct some kid i'm like hey man if you don't like something you have to use like a different word yeah. You know, there's another word. You could say, oh, that's stupid, or I don't like that, or yeah. that's whack, or that's corny, or something, yeah, yeah. but don't use that word, because it's kind of offensive to me, and I'd like to say my favorite skateboarder without saying his name. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then, like, some people that do know he's gay be like, hey, man, how are you going to come out and, like, out him without him being out? I'm like, I didn't mention him by name. Just because you might know who he is, someone else doesn't know who he is, yeah. and that's not my... Choice, right, right. To put him out there,
0: right. But I mean, I guess your choice is to say, yeah. If you make this decision, yeah, I support you. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. But it is you as an individual to (laughs) make that decision.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, everyone's got a gay relative in their family, so (laughs) (laughs) you got to get over it. (laughs) Yeah, they're not going to hell. (laughs) They're not going to hell, (laughs) and they didn't choose to be gay. You got to get over that one too. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) how do you choose that? Um, You don't. (laughs)
0: Unfortunately, <laughs> well, things move in a in a direction, yeah. albeit often very slowly. Yeah, yeah But yeah. it is a forward. Skateboarding will get there,
1: but I yeah. don't know if it's
0: yeah. there. I guess as me. you see other professional sports who probably yeah. have a, a rich history of homophobia. Yes. You know, preceded <laughs> by a rich history of racism. Yes. Uh, which you know <laughs> yeah. falls away. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, yeah. you it, hope that you know we move in a direction. Everything takes time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very yes. much uh, for doing this with me. All right. And, cool. Uh, Thanks.